And we are on air right now for Fan for Racing's uh, Kansas NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off here on Fan for Racing Radio. Joining me shortly will be our co-host, Jay Hughes, and in fact, he's here right now, so we'll say hello to Jay. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, good to be here early on a Monday night uh, than usual. Uh, Sal being on vacation and having a good time, so helping out and looking at some great racing action from Kansas this past weekend. Yes, indeed. We hope Sal's having a good time on his vacation, and I appreciate you taking time uh, to come on early for our show tonight and co-host. Uh, in the first half hour here, we'll get into the short track news from the weekend. We'll also cover the ARCA Menard Series race at Kansas Speedway this weekend, and then we'll give some updates from the ARCA East and West as well as the Xfinity Series. Those series did not race this weekend, so it's going to be a quick first half hour. At 9 o'clock, we have some uh, post-race audio that I – that we'll uh, share with our listeners from Zane Smith after winning the truck series race at Kansas Speedway this past weekend. Then we'll get into the truck series review at Kansas. And at 9.30, we have post-race audio from Kurt Flush, the winner of the truck series race at uh, Kansas Speedway this past weekend. Uh, then, of course, we'll do our truck series review uh, at Kansas, and at 10 o'clock, it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and we have uh, a couple of people joining us. Our regulars uh, are not available tonight, so I invited Chris Crichton to be on the show tonight, along with Tommy, one of our Fan for Racing crew members. So it should be an interesting Hot Topic discussion tonight. I, know, I noticed you hadn't put the name up there, just that one of the spots had been filled, and I was wondering if it was Chris or not. Uh, so that's good <laughs> Good to hear and get to get to talk with him. Uh, I saw him a couple weeks ago down there at Why Not. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Chris comes on occasionally uh, to our Hot Topic Sound Up uh, segment, and uh, looking forward to uh, catching up with him during that 10 o'clock uh, time frame. All right, let's go ahead and get into our short track racing review uh, because there's a lot going on in the short track racing. Doug Colby fell in for Jimmy Blewett and won one for Kayla at Riverhead uh, Speedway. That was in the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, the Miller Light 200 at Riverhead Raceway. Uh, so it, nothing beats being able to fill in for somebody and then go on and win that race. Yeah, several things that, that I like from, from this story, um, these drivers that can do that have the talent to jump into different vehicles, and it especially being, like you said, it's not even their own a fill-in, um, not a ride they had slotted for themselves necessarily, and go out there, run well, pick up the victory is huge. Uh, and just such a, a confidence booster for the team, for him as a driver. Uh, I, all good things come out of that, especially for the team that uh, asked him to come in and fill in, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Also, Trayton Lapsovich uh, capitalized in NASCAR's 10th 
series race. Uh, there, it was a thriller at Sunset Speedway this weekend, uh, 200 laps. So uh, a, a great win for him as well. Another series, if you don't get the opportunity to watch uh, where you can find it, I, I believe uh, that one was on uh, Racing America, was it not? Uh, I'm actually reading it off of Flow Re- Racing right now. Okay. Was it, okay, that was one that was on Flow Racing. Okay. Uh, again, the opportunity to watch the, watch that series, uh, it's different and it's uh, unique. Uh, that's what I like. Uh, you know, it might not be one I, I watch regularly, but when I can catch one to watch a different series like that, um, I find it interesting as a pure race fan um, of that, of stock car racing. I'll say that. Now, on, on Thursday, we also talked about the Illinois Speed Weeks, the first uh, annual Illinois Speed Weeks at four different tracks, Fairbury Speedway, Farmer City Raceway, Lincoln Speedway, and Spoon River Speedway. And uh, there were a number of winners uh, there with Brandon Shepard taking the win over Mike Marler, uh, Jay, uh, in that uh, Spoon River event on May 11th. And if you've been watching lately, Marler has been on a, on a good, uh, good roll. He had a rough Bristol when he was there, um, ran the truck race and did okay. I think he had a top 20 finish. But returning back to dirt, yeah, the Winfield Warrior – uh, right now has been one of the best drivers out, out on the dirt tracks. Uh, B. Shep, Brandon Shepard, uh, always been one of the best. So uh, he's hanging with some good company there. He sure is. Uh, okay, also at Lincoln Speedway, uh, it was uh, Dennis Herb Jr. over Brandon Shepard who won the night before. So uh, a different winner on the second night. And there you have, uh, if you're not familiar, Dennis Herb Jr. actually is the points leader, I believe, in the Lucas Oil Late Model Series. Um, he's one that I've actually gotten to interview down here at Jackson when he won the All-American uh, 60 last year in November. So, and again, you heard B. Shep's name. I told you, he's consistently one of the top five. Uh, Brandon Shepard coming out of Florida, uh, another great dirt track driver. No matter where he shows up, you're going to see his name generally towards the top. Well, it was uh, Dirt Late Models uh, who invaded Farmer City Race for the Farmer City 74 on the uh, third race of Illinois Speedway Weeks, and it was Tyler Herb who won that race over Ricky Thornton Jr. And there's where I like to see you, you still get the, the mixture of names. We, we've talked about that in NASCAR, some, some parody. Uh, Tyler Herb Turbo. Uh, a good driver. Ricky Thornton's one that came out of uh, Canada, I believe. He's from Canada that has moved down into the U.S. and been running, I'd say, about five, six years and making a name for himself. Okay. And uh, Illinois Speedway Week came to a close uh, with the inaugural FALS Spring Shootout at Fairbury Speedway. Uh, and it was Bobby Pierce over Brandon Shepard uh, taking that event. All of these races, by the way, are available uh, for replay at Flow Racing. You know, Sharon, I, I should have I asked you. I should have had my dad come on for this five, five ten minutes here. Uh, I'm sure he can <laughs> fill you in on each and every one of those races, as I mentioned. Again, we heard uh, uh, Brandon Shepard's name. 
Bobby Pierce, a second-generation driver, drives a number 32 back in his uh, family-owned equipment. Good to see he's had one that what's called a roller coaster um, with some other teams up and down, now back with a family-owned team, had some ups and downs. And that stretch, though, and I know there's a stretch, um, can't think of the name. I think it's the Hell Week Tour that goes through that, the Mideast, uh, Midwest, Mideast there of Indiana, Ohio. Um, Bobby Pierce always does good during that week. I believe that comes in either July or August. So not surprising to see him pick up a uh, win there, especially at Falls, uh, one of his regular tracks up in that area. Yes, indeed. And I should mention here that this is an inaugural event here in Illinois. Uh, I would anticipate that this will be back for next season and uh, hopefully for many years to come. So if you're looking uh, for your schedule for the 2023 season, I would definitely mark this one on your calendar. I didn't uh, I didn't see any uh, other responses. I know what I put up on mine. Uh, ben Shelton was on Twitter and asked about that already of, you know, if this was going to happen again or should it happen again. I don't see how they not. I, I don't see how they don't book it for the next five years. Uh, it was a great little series there uh, through Illinois, the inaugural event, like you said. I think they blew it out of the water. So, yeah, I don't see it not being back next year. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, over at Racing America, there's a lot of news there as well. Uh, one bit of bad news. Uh, there was a race scheduled for May 28th. The Northwest SLM, that's a super late model Magic Valley event, has been canceled. Uh, so, uh, actually, the next event for the Northwest Super Late Model Series is on May the 28th. So, apparently, um, uh, they had to cancel uh, the July 9th Super West, Northwest Super Late Model Series event at the Magic Valley Speedway. Uh, it was forced to be canceled due to various factors. So uh, they don't say what the factors were, but uh, something to uh, kind of keep in mind if you follow that series. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. And I, I want to encourage fans to be understanding. Uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into putting on events, especially ones that are on a schedule that are published. You know, track owners and uh, sponsors, I mean, they do everything they can to meet that when, when they have to cancel it, it's not pretty for anybody involved. So try to be understanding. Uh, you know, I've had ones actually, we got rained out this weekend. Yeah, I was disappointed, but it happens. I mean, there's, you know, things that just you can't control and, and happen. Um, wait for the next one, you know, make the next show. That's right. Uh, I should mention we've run out of time for now. So we're going to get into the Arkham Menard series. Uh, race to Kansas, but if you want to catch up on uh, all the short track racing news, Racing America and Flow Racing are the two greatest spots to go for that information. Um, but let's talk about Nick Sanchez and his win at uh, Kansas Speedway this weekend. His last win at Kansas was last October for the season finale. So for him to come back to Kansas Speedway and win again is just fantastic. It's also his second win of the season and his third win of his career. So uh, we had Nick Sanchez on the radio show after his uh, first win, uh, and I believe that was at uh, 
Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, and uh, it was really great to hear his confidence about going back to Kansas Speedway this week. You're right. We heard it already then uh, coming into into that and following his Talladega win. Having a great year here in the Arca Menard Series, Rev Racing, uh, been a top five. He mentioned it. He was a discussion, uh, one of the top picks as far as race winners. As we get into the race, we'll talk about whether or not he had the best car, but that uh, that doesn't always matter uh, as you had the top two contenders get, get in a battle. But being in that right position and capitalizing and being smart about it, which I think, uh, and we saw, I believe he's up for one or more of the sweet moves of the race. I, I think he actually might have won yes. it. Yes, he, he really did have a great race. Uh, he took care of his equipment. His main competition was his teammate, Roger Carus, uh, also from uh, Rev Racing with Max Siegel. And um, the uh, gap there was 0.775 of a second. Uh, Daniel Dyer back. He's, his uh, suspension has been lifted. He finished in third place. Gustine finished fourth, and rounding out the top five are Connor Mosack. Um, so in the number 23, Gustine was with uh, Venturini uh, Motorsports. Uh, Will Kimmel in the 69 finished in sixth place. It was Greg Van Alt finishing seventh. Ron Vandermeer Jr. finished eighth, and Amber Balkan uh, finished ninth. Running at the top ten was Tony Ridinger. Uh Zachary Tinkle, by the way, had a good finish, uh, finishing in eleventh. Uh, when you take uh, all of the drivers uh, involved there, uh, one topic that I think we'll talk about on hot topics tonight, though, was an aggressive move by Drew Dollar, uh, taking himself eventually as well as Corey Heim out of the race. Well, and yeah, I know you had that listed on the hot topics, and I was sure it was going to be, uh, especially considering a post-race interview by Mr. Billy Venturini, and if you don't know him, he says what's on his mind. Uh, I respect that. I don't know if I agree with all of his thoughts, and you just said an aggressive move. I don't know that it was an aggressive move. Um, They both, they were racing hard, and it looked like one of those of the arrow on the car Yes, Drew Dollar lost his car, and, you know, he felt bad about it. Uh, the driver, Corey Heim, you know, is a, it's a friend of his. He acknowledged, hey, that, that I'm not happy about that, but it happens. Uh, Billy mm-hmm. Venturini, maybe not so much as the owner. <laughs> yeah, not so much. He took his car out of the race. So uh, the owner's never happy about uh, that when it happens. Uh, but Drew Dollar... Uh, used to drive, uh, used to drive with Billy, Billi Venturini. So uh, I'm kind of surprised at some of his post-race comments uh, about the Venturinis. So uh, I thought that was a little disrespectful. So we'll talk about it during Hot Topics tonight. Uh, but two of the biggest uh, names uh, were taken out of the race. Uh, but I don't think that takes away from the Nick Sanchez victory uh, or Roger Carruth. Uh, I do think that Nick Sanchez had the car to, to win, and those guys uh, would have had to go through him if they wanted that win. It, it would have been really interesting to see it. At, at the time when it happened, Corey Heim and Drew Dollar were your top two runners. Uh, were, 
if not the strongest car. But you mentioned it, Nick Sanchez and Rajah Karuth, teammates, and that was one thing I wanted to address and talk about. Uh, I was kind of hoping that, I know uh, we, you mentioned we've had Nick Sanchez on a couple of times, that we might have him on tonight. But they raced at that time was third and fourth, right behind those two battling for the lead, had a great race side-by-side side as teammates, side-by-side. Side. Uh, you know, lap traffic came into play. I know uh, Rajah Karuth was up for one of the Reese's sweet moves of the race as well of, as they came up on a, on a slow car um, to make the move, give up the spot at that time to Nick Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez had kind of gotten the advantage, but that opened the gap uh, a little bit. Um, Rajah able to get a career-best second-place finish uh, going down the top five. We saw Daniel Dye, you mentioned that the suspension lifted, had a rough day, uh, and I couldn't even remember how far up he had come. I knew he had been back up towards the top five, but to come home with a third-place finish, we'll talk about where he is in points and how that settles out, uh, was a huge, huge day for the, for that team, GMS Racing. Like I said, they uh, I don't remember how early they had damage and had, went a lap or two down and had to get it back. Exactly. Let's go ahead and go to the Arkham Art Series point standings after this race. Uh, if you want to cover that, there's a tie at the top. All right. Yeah, and it, it is between those two teammates now. Nick Sanchez picking up his second victory of the year, as you mentioned. Uh, to go along with all three or uh, three top tens out of the four races is at 155 points. Rajah Karuth, second place finish, career best finish, two top fives and three top tens as well, sitting tied with him at 155 points. Karuth has the advantage of a 5.8 average finish, uh, Nick Sanchez at 7.3. Then you get down to third place now, Daniel Dye slid back one position but is only three points back at 152. And his average finish, a 6.3. Now, fourth in points is Corey Hine. We just mentioned he had three races in, uh, one win, two top fives, two top tens. This one being a bad finish there, he's still fourth in points with only three races at minus 33. Then Tony Breidinger at minus 37, tied there with Gus Dean, Gus Dean, another one. Only three races, but they've all been top fives. So another one uh, making the most out of the starts he gets, not running all the races. Amber Balcane slid up a spot or two, I believe, now into the seventh spot at minus 46. D.L. Wilson is in eighth, having made all four starts. Parker Chase slid back a little because he wasn't on the list this weekend into ninth. So three starts, but one top five, two top tens, puts him at minus 54, tied with uh, now Greg Van Alls. No, I'm sorry, uh, D.L. Wilson and Parker Chase are tied eighth and ninth. Moving into the 10th spot, you heard his name there in the rundown, 10th points now for four races, is Greg Van Alst at minus 55. And he is also in a tie with Ryan Huff, who did not make the race this weekend, um, so slid back a little bit. And we know that we talked about that last Thursday, the entry list, that we were going to see some point shuffling if some of these drivers weren't on this weekend's uh, entry list. Exactly. So uh, it is going to be interesting. Their next race, by the way, uh, is coming up. Uh, the Arkham Art Series returns to action in two weeks 
at Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. That race will be broadcast live on Fox Sports 1. So uh, fans will need to stay true for that. Uh, for that race as the Arkham Menard Series continues uh, their battle with the tie at the top. So uh, I think it's a do not miss event. Uh, Rev Racing is having a banner year this season uh, with Roger Clarice and Nick Sanchez. They certainly are. you got to give them a big shout-out with that. Uh, we see it's a three-car battle right now with Nick Sanchez, Rajah Caruth, and then Daniel Dye, and I think that's going to continue. What will be interesting is you mentioned that race at Charlotte. That's where we see maybe some other drivers such as, I don't know, again, if, what Corey Heim's schedule is, but being in the Charlotte area, and we may see a variety of different drivers make a, a rare ARCA start or one of their regular starts if they got a limited schedule. Uh, so, again, I can't wait. Uh, we got to wait two weeks here for the Thursday preview show to see what the entry list looks like um, of who those three are going to have to battle with because we know they're going to be in the battle. That's true. Uh, that General Tire 150 will take place on May 27th at 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now, also, uh, the next race for the Arkham Art Series West uh, the Portland 100 is on June 4th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's 7.30 Eastern at Portland International Raceway. Uh, that race will be a live stream event on Flow Racing if you want to mark your calendar for that event because they are really close on points there. And there are, I think all of the top ten have raced every event so far. And then for the ARCA East, uh, the ARCA East will be racing with the ARCA Menard Series and the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, through three points paying events in one race on June the 11th at 8 p.m. Central Time, that's 9 p.m. Eastern, out at Iowa Speedway. And this one will be televised on MAV TV. So a big race there at Iowa Speedway for the Calypso Lemonade 150 uh, with three points paying uh series in one race that's going to be my computer locked up i was trying to pull up the west series points as we were talking about that but you mentioned the east series uh we'll get back to them in a minute the east series uh, challenge the sioux chief showdown you mentioned an east series as well as the arkham menard series all in one especially at iowa speedway that's the one i've had a pleasure to do there uh, with you sharon uh gonna be you're right a huge event with uh, a lot of impact on the three different point standings. And now I got the West Series points uh, pulled up. You mentioned the tight points battle there as well. Jake Drew, your leader, three top fives uh, in the three races, is your points leader by five points over Tanner Reef, Cole Moore, Paul Pedronicilli, Austin Herzog, Todd Souza, Takuma Koga, Joey East, Sebastian Aries, and Bridget Burgess. And those are your top ten, and all three of them have, or all ten of those have made all three starts. So your points range: uh, Tanner Reef back five, Cole Moore is minus six, Paul Pedronicilli Jr. minus fourteen, Austin Herzog minus fifteen, Todd Souza minus seventeen, and then it ranges from minus twenty-four to minus thirty-seven from seventh through tenth. So that one really is a super tight points battle when you think about it. And we've seen that in the past with this West series. 
Yeah, Tanner told us his name is pronounced Rife when he was on the show with us. So just an FYI there. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that this is going to be a fun one to watch as these guys continue to battle uh, for that for that uh, championship trophy at the end of the season. Yeah, and, and Jake Drew is one of those we haven't seen, uh, again, three top fives. That victory is coming, um, and it couldn't come at a better time as he's had that co- competition closing in on him. Cole Moore, another one, uh, just waiting to see him get that victory. The other two victories went to Taylor Gray and Landon Lewis, who have made one start each. So that's where, you you know, I say smart racing, especially when you're looking at the championship. Uh, when these drivers get Corey Heim, other drivers that come and make uh, single starts, is being the best of the regulars and then getting a victory either over them or at another race where maybe they're not in it. But uh, to be championship racing, getting those top fives every week, uh, that'll put you in position. Jake Drew's average finish at 3.7. So, again, that's why he's at the top of the board. Exactly, and in in uh, the Arkham and Art Series East, it's all Sammy Smith uh, winning three or four races there. Yeah, that one a little bit different story. Uh, we saw a little bit of a gap. I know we mentioned it. Maybe we were going to see uh, that tighten up, but uh, Sammy come right back with another victory for his third out of the year. Again, four top fives in four races. Average finish of 2.0. Uh, that's tough to compete with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Taylor Gray, the other one to get that fourth victory out of the four, mentioned that, uh, going to try and work his way in, is nine points back, and his average is 2.3. So that really puts a strain on third. Leland Honeymoon is 25 points back. His average finish is 4.8. Four top tens, three of them being top fives. Great year, but we've seen this in the past. Uh, you got a couple drivers that are having excellent years, so it's really tough. When your average is 4.8 and your third in points uh, 25 back, you know you got some tough competition. Exactly and then we right. Got, uh, fourth place uh, guest we've had here a couple of times, Christian Rose, two top tens at minus 51. Stephanie Moyer with one top ten at minus 52. And Brad Smith in sixth place, uh, I believe those six drivers there have made all four starts at minus 61. But you also got Jake Finch, Donald Feig, Daniel Escado, and Willie Mullins rounding out the top ten. Finch, Feig have both made three starts. Daniel Escado, the Mexican driver, has had two starts, as well as Willie Mullins. Okay, uh, also not racing this past weekend, they were on a break, is the uh, Xfinity Series, uh, and their next race is actually going to be this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, the SRS Distribution 250, at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday, May the 21st. Uh, they will have qualifying Friday, May 6th, 5.30 to 6.30, it will be single vehicle, one lap, all entries. And practice will be on Friday from 5 until 5.30 p.m. Uh, and that will be covered on MRN and Sirius XM Car Radio, as well as Fox Sports So uh, definitely uh, check that out. 
this weekend coming up as well uh, because uh, these guys have uh, some <laughs> some things going on with their driver points as well. Well, and here the points right now, I don't want to say don't matter, but the the NASCAR top three touring series have the playoffs where they reset. So there's some other things that come into play. A.J. Allmendinger is currently your points leader with one race win and seven playoff points. But Noah Gregson, second, although he's 25 back, has two race wins, 15 playoff points. Ty Gibbs, third in points, 41 back. But he's got three wins and 17 playoff points, so would actually reset as your points leader when they do it, as they are right now. Then you got Justin Allgaier, one win, seven playoff points. Josh Berry, same thing. Then Brandon Jones, six, has a victory and six playoff points. Uh, Sam Mayer doesn't have the victory yet, but two playoff points built up. Riley Herbst, Ryan Sieg, Austin Hill, your top ten. The other two got to look at, Landon Castle and Daniel Hemrick. Now, Austin Hill has a victory, five playoff points, was, is, should be locked in um, with that victory. But Daniel Hemrick at minus 178, his competition is also behind him. Anthony Alfredo is 22 points behind him. And then another 40 points behind him, Jeb Burton, Sheldon Creed, another six back, because that's where that playoff cut line is just to get into the playoffs when they reset. Exactly. Uh, now, uh, it is top of the hour. We're going to uh, go ahead and move on uh, to the uh, truck series because uh, the last race was here at Kansas, the Heart of America 200. And um, uh, there was a lot going on in this race. It was exciting to watch. Uh, he pretty much dominated uh, and won the Heart of America 200 on Saturday night uh, for his third victory of the season. I do have some post-race audio, uh, and we can listen to this in its entirety. It's about seven and a half minutes. Uh, So we're going to listen to Zane Smith, uh, driver of the number 38 Front Row Motorsports Chevrolet, after winning at Kansas Speedway this past weekend. So we will be able to listen to the entirety of this interview. Let's see if I can get to it. Congratulations, Zane. Thank you. We're going to go ahead and start our media availabilities. We're now joined by Zane Smith, driver of the number 38 Speedco Ford for Front Row Motorsports. Zane, can you talk us through the race? You were pretty pretty dominant throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I was a little worried in the first days with how much I feel like we fell off. Um, the really weird in between racetrack at that time with the sun going down, but the track didn't fill up. So um, we fired off really good, honestly, probably too good. Um, and then, I don't know, lap 20 would come around and, and we just get really, really tight. And just, um, I don't know, really, trucks in general, it's just so hard to, to manage a tight truck. I'd, I'd way rather manage a, a loose truck. And um, took a, a pretty decent. Uh, swing at it in the second stage. Um, it was definitely enough. And then uh, I, I knew I wanted more there. And then uh, from there on, it was just kind of managing uh, my tires and um, searching for grip. And at that time, it was really just fine to lose. And, and um, those are, they look fun, but they, they really aren't. Um, 
mental-wise. And so, uh, just a really good truck. This is our, our Vegas truck, and um, I feel like this is kind of what we would have seen at Vegas if I didn't get caught up in that incident. We still almost won that night with the right front torn off the thing. And so, um, I don't know. I, I really enjoy coming to this this place. Um, I've been searching for a mile and a half win for a while now, it feels like, and I had a lot of them taken from me. And I thought that late race restart was possibly going to be another one. Um, and luckily, just timed that right in the box, right when the 66 had gotten my bumper, kind of shot me out there. Um, at that time, it's just managing runs and trying to um, be as big of a wake as possible. And fortunately, that's what we did. I feel like communication and everything just tumbled up better with 
that case. Any further questions? Back to Lee. Thank you. You had a four-second lead over John Hunter before he, he spun. I mean, were you aware how dominant your truck was? I mean, you talked about you were concerned about potential cautions, but having that kind of speed, it, was, it almost seemed inevitable if you don't screw it up. Yeah, uh, for sure. I thought that made me feel a lot better with the driver intro. Uh, John Hunter and I were talking. Um, people were asking him. I was up with people asking me. And John Hunter said to me, only worried about me. So I, I could say the same thing about him. So uh, that was good to hear that because you don't know in our, it feels like 10 minutes of practice, how how we are. And, um, I, feel, I felt good at practice. And everything being good, but you really don't know, um, especially practicing in the heat of the day and racing at night. So um, I think this is just a, a start, really. I, I feel like our mile and a half stuff is, is really good, and, and I feel like I've gotten way, way better on mile and a half over the past couple of years, and uh, I really just enjoy going to them and uh, really love coming to Kansas in general, and especially next year coming up. Where do you see yourself next year? Do you want to continue to build this program? I mean, I know you had a cup offer last year that, you know, kind of fell to pieces, but where do you, you know, where do you see yourself a year from now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've gotten that question a lot this year. I just want to win races. That's all I really care about. I I feel like, obviously, yeah, all of us want to go race on Sunday, but I'm about to be 23 years old. Like, I have time to get there, and I just want it to be the right opportunity when I get there. In the meantime, build my resume and hopefully keep collecting these and build the trophy case. Thank you. Any last questions? Okay, that's it for uh, the interview with uh, James Smith. Your thoughts about that interview, James? To get back off uh, off mute here, there there were several interesting things there. First off, yeah, the confidence yeah. he has in that team, and that team the way it is running right now. I know he mentioned some uh, some rough weeks, and we'll talk about that when we look at the point standings. But right now, in in that race in particular, very dominant win. Like you said, it feels like he he should have had Vegas with a truck similar to that, the same setup. Um, you know, to to know where he's at with that team and have that kind of confidence and back it up on the track. Uh, and he hit on something, uh, you know, we talk about week in and week out, uh, just in the Arkham Menards race, uh, Corey Heim and uh, Drew Dollar, uh, down at the bottom of the list when it comes to the results. That is not indicative of how they ran or where they were at in that race. Uh, and he mentioned that. So I thought that was good. Uh, good kid. Uh, and I got smart head on his shoulders. Uh you know the uh, I don't know who the reporter was there. I know you had said uh, we were trying to get him on the show of how to word that question of having a cup opportunity not come to fruition. Uh, I don't know, I remember how she mm-hmm. phrased it, but um, yeah, that was Lee Spencer. I, uh, yeah, uh, fell apart. I think is how she said it. You know, I know that's got to be tough. He had come off another second place finish in the championship. That. Uh, and not having that ride because that was uh, the cup deal had uh, come apart and, and not come to fruition with the sale of Chip Ganassi. So to come back and get this opportunity 
and and make the best of it. And you know, when asked about his future, like he said, he wants to make sure it's the right opportunity, not rush forward just because it's a ride or that chance to move up. The right opportunity, because that makes all the world a difference. It certainly does. We've seen it happen uh, when drivers move up too quickly. it's a big, big adjustment when you're moving into the Cup Series. So I think taking his time and looking for that right opportunity. And like he said, developing his resume along the way, uh, I think that's a smart thing to do uh, for Wayne Smith. And, and, yeah, there was so much in that interview. Uh, the fact, like you said, the confidence he knew after Las Vegas that he had a car that could win at uh, Kansas Speedway. And uh, obviously his team believed that as well because they gave him the car uh, to make that happen. And um, uh, you're right, Gene Smith is a smart driver and um, uh, he took care of his equipment and he was there at the end. Uh, but he pretty much dominated uh, for the entire evening. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to see Zane Smith having the kind of season that he's having. This is his third victory, and I don't think anybody else in the truck series has that right now. So that puts him at the top of the list when the uh, playoffs begin uh, in September. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what Zane Smith does. In follow-up to his runner-up finish last season, uh, he's certainly on track for a championship this season. And I, and I look at the team as well uh, of Front Row Motorsports. We saw Todd Gilliland uh, finish out strong there before moving to the Cup Series, what they're building, especially in the Truck Series. And then I think, just as we've seen with College Racing, GMS, transferring that over to another series such as the Xfinity or the Cup Series. I, I don't know that we've fully seen it yet at the Cup level, um, but to see that, and maybe that is, he has that opportunity. I know they're partnered with, uh, I believe, DGR, David Gillen Racing, here with this number 38. But to see maybe them build a driver like that and bring him into front row motorsports um, and really take the, their, their cup program to the next level. I don't know if they, you know that's something he's looking at in one of those spots he wants to go. Um, but I certainly see that as a possibility as that team, especially like I mentioned here in the truck series over the past two seasons, has really become one of the top contending truck teams. So it'd be good to see if he could continue that with that same organization because then you're not changing teams, um, just moving to the cup level. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it looks good for front row motorsports. Uh, to bring drivers like Todd Gilliland and Zane Smith into their stable. And uh, I, I do think uh, it's certainly a possibility, and I think we may see more from Front Row Motorsports uh, in the future if uh, that is the uh, trend that they are on. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to our race review now of that race. As I mentioned, uh, uh, Zane Smith won that race. He's 22 years of age. He drives the number 38 Speed Call Ford for owner Bob Jenkins at Front Row Motorsports. And his crew chief this weekend was Chris Lawson. Uh, It was his sixth victory in 54 Camping World Truck Series races. And his third victory this season along with seven top ten finishes. Uh, It was his first victory in fourth 
Top 10 finish in five races at Kansas Speedway. Ty Majeski finished second. He posted his first top 10 finish in three races at Kansas and his fifth top 10 finish this year. Grant Infinger finished third, posting his sixth top 10 finish in eight races at Kansas. Wallace Allen, in 19th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, and uh, Smith did lead a race high 108 of the 134 laps of the race. Uh, Ty Majeski's second place finish was his career best finish. Grant Infinger in third, Chandler Smith and Christian Eckes rounding out the top five. Then it was the pole setter, John Hunter Nemechek finishing sixth, followed by Matt DiBenedetto, Derek Krauss, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes uh, rounding out the top ten. Corey Hyman, the number 51 for KBM, finished uh, one, stage one, it was Zane Smith winning stage two as well as stage three. There were nine lead changes among five drivers and four cautions for 19 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 127.709 miles per hour. Uh, one of the things that I took away from his uh, uh, Zane's interview as well, uh, Jay, is uh, – that he was talking about uh, how hard it is to win in the truck series. Uh, these are really tough races to win. Uh, and uh, it was on his mind on that final restart uh, whether or not he was going to be able to, to pull it off. So uh, he did a great job. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he did talk about that. That was the other thing I was just going to mention statistically you look at it on a paper yeah he dominated led 108 laps uh over four different periods and i think the next highest laps led was four. Oh no i take that back uh cory heim uh ended up out uh led three times for 18 laps but that doesn't mean it was easy and he said you know he, he was concerned about his own truck there for a, a period um and then the, the closing laps you, you know you just know it's going to get wild and exciting he's waiting for that caution for the final restart, and there was a lot of shuffling behind him and some different strategies uh, going on. So you're right, and, and he, he acknowledged it. He said, hey, yeah, it may look like I dominated this, but it's not easy. And he's saying that even with knowing how good his truck was, like he said, what he wanted from Vegas there, um, to realize that, and, and you're right. Uh, you look behind him, Ty Majeski, Grant Infinger, Chandler Smith, Christian Eckes. Those four were having a heck of a battle. You didn't know how the top five were going to come out. Uh, I think John Hunter Nemechek there at the end slid back a little. Seventh place, Matt Benedetto made a pit stop there at the end, come from uh, 14th, 15th, somewhere in that range, to get back up into the seventh position. And Because they, they weren't sticker tires. They had one, uh, one run on them. They were scuff tires. So they didn't know how that was going to work, but played out uh, real good for them. Derek Krause, another one, uh, he bounced around throughout the day. I really thought he was going to be in contention for a top five finish and possibly a victory. I say possibly because Zane Smith definitely had a strong truck, uh, you know, but good run for, for Derek Krause. And then you had some regulars, Matt Crafton and Ben Rhodes, rounding out the top, uh, top ten. Uh, like I said, that, that's one of those – especially over the radio or looking at the uh, the scoring rundowns, 
you can't describe the action that was happening throughout the entire field, uh, especially in those closing laps. Yes, indeed. Some other uh, mentions here. Kobe Howard uh, with an 11th place finish. Chase Purdy uh, finishing in 13th. Uh, you had uh, Haley Deaver with a 17th place finish. And we mentioned earlier Wallace Allen, the high, highest finishing rookie of the race. A couple of drivers uh, had some issues. Matt Mills had an axle issue, uh, so that took him out of the race. And then all at 91 laps, and then Jesse Wuji was just too slow. He was out of the race uh, after 24 laps, so uh, not not uh, the finishes they were looking for. Uh, the margin of victory again was 1.653 seconds, uh, and the race uh, took one hour, 34 minutes, and 26 seconds uh, to finish that race. But it was an action-packed uh, time frame, that's for sure. And I, right now, uh, aside from Zane Smith picking up his third victory of the year, right now I think you got to look at Ty Majeski as maybe one of the hottest drivers on the circuit for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. So keep an eye on him. Yeah, I was really kind of surprised because Ty Majeski, uh, what team does he drive for again? It's escaping me right yeah. now. No, not Nice Motorsports. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Maybe it is Nice. Let's see if nice. I can pull it. Uh, um, let's see here. He, one thing I learned about Ty Majeski today is that in addition to being a driver, uh, he's also an engineer at the team that he works for or that he drives for. So uh, doing a little bit of double duty there I think is really helping him become a better driver as well. Well, and, and the reason I say I don't think it's, it's Nice Motorsports is I think that's who let him go a few years ago. He returned back to the short track race. Oh, I'm okay. trying to pull up um, number 66 Toyota because he's teammates. Give me a second on that. But, uh, yeah, having a, there we go. Thank you. Um, I knew it was one of, one of the, the bigger powerhouse teams. And returning and getting that opportunity after having gone away, I want to say it was about two years um, and we thought that maybe Nice Motorsports pulled the plug on him a little bit early, and maybe he needed that. Uh, you know, there's sometimes where things just don't work out. But to go back to the short track routes, continue doing what he's doing, he picked up, I believe it was his fourth Rattler victory, um, and have this opportunity again now with Thor Sports uh, Racing and making the most of it and really finding his groove. Like I said, over the past four races, I'd have to say he may be one of the best out there on the track right now. And then you got Grant Enfinger, another one. We saw what he did last year in all but one race and not eligible for the playoffs between two teams, not going to uh, coming back to GMS uh, as a full time that we would see him a little bit slow start, but I think we're seeing him start to fit into that team and they get their rhythm. Another one right now he's on the playoff bubble we'll look at here in a minute. But I think by the end of the season, going to be back in that conversation of championship contender. Yes, indeed. Uh, and and there's so much that can still happen. They only have eight races in. I believe that's uh, half of their season. 
So these next eight races are going to be big events uh, because those drivers that don't have a win yet are still looking for that first win to seal the deal uh, for being in the playoffs this year. So uh, there might be a few of these drivers that make it in on points, um, but uh, not very many. I think we're still going to see some winners, some different winners before the season is over. Uh, most certainly, I think that's very possible. So it'll be interesting. You mentioned, I believe you're right, uh, that they are exactly halfway through their regular season. Um, and as we look at the points, we'll talk about that playoff bubble, as I mentioned, with uh, with Grant Enfinger. Um, and he is now Go a little bit better. Go ahead the now. Okay. Uh, you hit on one thing already. Right now, Ben Rhodes is your points leader. Got a victory already in five stage wins for 10 playoff points. John Hunter Nemechek, another one, a little bit of a slow start, especially when you kind of compare to last year, but has one win, three stage point or three stage wins for a total of eight playoff points. Zane Smith, right now 21 points back overall, three wins and four stage wins, though, 19 playoff points is your current uh, playoff points leader with those 19. Chandler Smith in fourth, one win for the five playoff points. Then you got Ty Majeski, no wins, no stages, but it is fifth in points. Stuart Friesen is currently minus 55, one stage win for a playoff point, as well as Carson Hosevar. He had a rough race. He was another one, been uh, running really good. Yes. Uh, back-to-back second-place finishes, but had a rough week. Uh, I think he came back to finish 15th um, this past weekend. There's 68 points back. He does have a stage win for a playoff point. Eighth, ninth, and tenth. Here's where it's, it's tight. Christian Eckes um, in the A spot, Grant Enfinger in the ninth, and Matt Crafton in the tenth spot. No playoff points built up for him. And that cut line now, as I mentioned, Grant worked his way to the good side of it. He's at minus 83, Crafton at minus 87. So they're four points apart. They do now have a 20-point gap, though, over Tanner Gray at minus 107. And then another 17 points back to Derek Krause. And Derek Krause, another one, as he's getting his a solid footing under him, going to start being up there in contention. But you got some tough guys you're going to have to jump over there. Tyler Ankrum, another one we've seen uh, a playoff contender, falling back to 13th, and Matt DiBenedetto in 15th. You can't count them out yet. You really can't. Now, one thing that I want to mention about Derek Krauss is that he has uh, come into the truck series with a brand-new race team with Bill McAnally and uh, Hogeman. So it, it's taken time not only for Derek's learning curve, but for the team's learning curve as a new race team in this series. So for him, after three years, to be in that 12th spot, I think says a lot for their progress. Uh, together uh, coming into this truck series. It, it is. It, you know, I understand that. And uh, we've seen the, the improvement. I'm sure it's not as fast maybe as they'd like to see. Um, but especially here, you mentioned second half of the season um, is where we're really going to see it come through. And it definitely seems to be trending in a good upward direction. Yes, indeed. Okay, um, anything else that we want to mention here in the truck series? 
keep an eye on that playoff bubble. Uh, we've seen some, some drivers I mentioned, Tyler Ankrum, uh, Matt DiBenedetto, and then right at the cut line, uh, Tanner Gray and Derek Krause, just waiting for them to have that breakout race and leading into a breakout year um, to contend with these veterans, Matt Craft and Grant Enfinger, and then Christian Eckes. Uh And that's how tough and tight this, this truck series is, as, as Zane Smith mentioned in his interview. Um, there's a reason he's, he's piling up those playoff points because he knows he may need them because the competition is that stiff and tough uh, going into these playoffs. Exactly right. We mentioned Ty Majeski, too, uh, and that he's racing with Thorsport Racing while also being an engineer. So um, uh, I didn't see in the points. I think he's raced every race so far, so they are working as they go to secure sponsorship for Ty Majeski. Road Ranger joins them for five Cup Series races in that number 66 Toyota Tundra. Um, and uh, their stint will start at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. So uh, it's been a little bit of a nip and tuck here for uh, uh, Tim Majeski, but uh, really good to hear uh, that uh, he is going to uh, uh, have this sponsorship uh, with Road Ranger for these five truck series races to keep him on the track. Uh, and continuing uh, toward the playoff uh, campaign. Well, and and runs like this, that's what brings that that sponsorship money in, is seeing runs like this, even on a limited budget, so they know they're investing in something that's already on the way up. You know, that stock is rising, if you will. Um, So I think that's what you're seeing, is the sponsors are aware of that and see that, and it's being returned in, in investment. Exactly right. Uh, another thing that happened this weekend, Stuart Friesen uh, had some flight delays, and so he missed practice. And subbing for him was Bubba Wallace behind the wheel of uh, Stuart Friesen's number 52 truck. And we talked about this with with even uh, going, drivers going to other series, uh, jumping in another one. I, I think they said when Bubba, Bubba Wallace landed uh, – Trip Bruce called, and I mean, immediately had a message from him and said, hey, can you come over and do this? Uh, it was a Toyota swap deal. So, yeah, able to work that out, he did. I think Bubba Wallace did a great job with that. Um, knowing what Stuart Friesen actually liked, because I know uh, during practice, Bubba Wallace talked about how the truck was, and he, he didn't think it was right for him. But Stuart Friesen apparently liked it and appreciated it. Um, the way it was is he had a good good run, had to come from the back. Uh, like I said, you got to watch these races because Stuart Friesen did have to start from the back, being that he didn't qualify the uh, qualify the truck. Um, and I know we see that happen. I mean, that's one of the drawbacks. We talk about drivers running other races. I don't remember where Stuart Friesen was, uh, was running. But, yeah, I was flying in, uh, catching a changeover there in Chicago and had a, had a flight delay. And that's what uh, where the issue came in. Um, so yeah, that is one of the drawbacks of having a driver out running around uh, other races. But they managed to work it out, and Stuart Friesen, if you will, uh, brought it brought it home. Let's see, where did he get up to? 14th place finish. Again, not uh, not indicative of actually where he ran, and it shows he was credited or credited with a fifth place start. 
but technically he did start from the back as he did have to uh, get in that truck after Bubba Wallace qualified it. That's right. Okay, uh, we are now uh, at the 9.30 time frame, which means it's time for us to get to the uh, uh, review of our Cup Series at Kansas. But we're going to start with uh, the post-race interview from uh, Kurt Busch. How exciting was that to see him win in that number 45 uh, car for 23-11 racing in his Toyota? really exciting from a couple of different fronts. So we're going to listen to his interview. We won't be able to listen to the entire interview because it's 18 minutes, 18 and a half minutes, but we will listen to about seven and a half minutes of it, and then Jay and I will talk on the other side of it. Uh, but let's uh, go ahead and listen now. Sharon, before you, yeah? before you start that, uh, I don't know if it's something you can work on or fix uh, while this audio is playing. I got a listener uh, saying the audio on the fan for racing, the audio isn't working off the player there. Oh, okay. I'll take a look at that while we listen to uh, Kurt Busch. Uh, and thank cool. you so much uh, for letting us know. I will pass that along. Okay. Uh, and here we go with Kurt Busch. The winner Yeah, you've been 
the, the process. You have to start from the ground up when you're building a brand new car. And whether it's the next gen or the number 45 at 2311. You know, the Toyota family brought me in. Once later, she said, let's go do this. And you have steps that you have to take. And when I switched to, from Roush to Penske, we won in our sixth race together. Uh, when I switched over to SHR, I think it was again like our sixth race, one at Martinsville. This one took, you know, a little bit, but here we are, we're winners. It's a process. And the Ganassi car, we won in summer uh, when I switched to them. And each place, each sequence, I'm just happy to have a ride and happy to do my best. Early in my career, it was all about me, me, me. And now I've understood this is a team and every element is super important. So I was able to do my job today. My team put me out there in position, and I wasn't going to let anybody named Kyle be here today. We'll go to Jennifer in the back, and then we'll come to Daniel and then to Caitlin. Jennifer Sherwood, NASCARSocialist.com. So Kurt Strike, the number 45, and the Petty Family gave their blessings. 
and now he's my boss, there's a lot that goes into the ownership side. And that's why he is overwhelmed with emotions right now because of how much responsibility it all is and how much teamwork it takes. Thanks to the manufacturer, the sponsors, the amount of people, I hope that this helps everything as far as the foundation that we've laid. You know, with Bubba's win last year, that, that was a huge uh, foundation. I would say that this is like building the, the first floor, building the second floor, and the sky's the limit. So this this means a lot to me as well because we started this 45 car from scratch, and a lot of guys, girls, people came from other teams, and the spirit was, we're, we're a bunch of rebels. Okay, that's the interview uh, with Kurt Busch after winning the Advent Health 400 at Kansas Speedway this past weekend. Uh, I'm going to do a quick test here at FanforRacing.com to see if I can get this to play. Okay. Uh, And I'm not hearing it myself. Okay, so... um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and I've got the volume all the way up. So what I'm going to suggest people do if you're having trouble hearing at FanFarRacing.com is uh, go to your browser and put in BlogTalkRadio.com. That's all one word, BlogTalkRadio.com, forward slash FanFarRacing underscore radio. At the top of the list there is the Kansas NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, click on that link or click play button, and you should be able to hear uh, the radio show from there. So uh, that's an alternative for those people that are having trouble hearing uh, at FanFarRacing.com. Okay, now then, um, let's... Uh, to hear your comments about uh, the interview there with uh, Kurt Busch, Jay. Well, the the one thing as I listened to that, and to to having watched the race, but then to hear the driver talk about it, Kurt Busch being calculate and aware of, he said he knew where Kyle Larson's weak point was. Uh, they were great mm-hmm. racing, and I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a little bit. But to pinpoint, okay, this is where I'm making up that ground. And I know spotters play a role in that and say, hey, you gain on them here running this line, helping the drivers pick that spot. But to hear Kurt be aware of that and say, this is where I'm going to capitalize through the other corner if I can maintain and not give it back, uh, you know, this is where I'm going to get him, set him up. It took several laps. Um, and we saw some great side-by-side racing. Uh, I know uh, – they interviewed Kyle Larson. We saw a little bit of side-by-side, and uh, Kurt didn't pinch him into the wall, but didn't give him but a car width. Kyle tried to take it and rub the wall a little bit. But, I mean, that's how hard and intense it was. And they, and they both, I mean, were smiling and happy about it. And we saw this. I go back to mm-hmm. Chicagoland, Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush. You know, we were waiting <laughs> to see if there was going to be a fight in the garage. They were hugging because that was some great side-by-side racing action. You know, like I said, I mean, Kurt didn't give him any extra room, uh, but he didn't cut him off or pinch him into the wall. Kyle's like, there's a little hole there. I'm going to try it. It didn't work. That's true. Uh, One of the things that I loved about this interview, too, is 
and and we all know this. We remember the Cal Bush of uh, yesteryear, if you will, uh, during his younger days. Uh, and he mentions it here. Uh, he's learned uh, from where he was when he first came into this sport, the me, me, me attitude versus the team attitude and, and how that has changed his whole perspective uh, of, of uh, going to all these different race teams and uh, eventually winning. Uh, I think I read earlier he's won uh, at, uh, you know, not only with several different race teams, but with all the different manufacturers, including Dad, Ford, Chevy, and Toyota. Um, and, and I don't think there's many drivers that have done what Kurt Busch has done. Um, and, and, you know, this is the kind of racing that we want to see, uh, where somebody is, is studying and, and looking at where the weak spots are and then taking advantage of that weak spot uh, to showcase his own talent as a race car driver. And, and I loved it. Um, I haven't always been a fan of Kurt Busch, but I'll tell you what, I really like the evolution that we've seen uh, of Kurt Busch over the years and the success that he has had um, uh, with all these different race teams and all these different manufacturers. He's got it down to a system and a process that he says uh, when you come into a new organization. It is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. I, I love that interview. You're right, and and I know uh, he talked about it in his post-race interview right on the track when he, when he got out of the car, too, about the team and, and just the role he plays in it. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I'm trying to think of the list I saw. I know what you're talking about. Even Dave Moody said it. When you look at the team he's gone to, he has elevated. Uh, Jack Roush uh, racing where he started, Team Penske, Stuart Haas racing, uh, fr- uh, Furniture Row, uh, again, he was, believe it or not, he was part of that building, Regan Smith and Kurt Busch, part of that building to what led to Martin Truex coming in and the championship they had. Kurt was a, a stepping stone in that, and I think that, that that's a huge part. And then Chip Ganassi Racing, again, was on a climb um, here in, the, in their last two years with Kurt Busch there, and coming in already to 2311, we've seen that. Um, so... To, and you're right, he went through, uh, I'm trying to think, I know he had a couple of situations in there. I think the leaving Team Penske and uh, James Finch, that was another one. Uh, I think he drove for him That's and then right. Billy Blue in the truck series. There you go. Um, to understanding that and being appreciative of whatever ride he is in and making the most of it. Uh, I think he might have been at like front row motorsports too. Or not front row, what is it? Yeah, front row furniture. That was Wasn't the furniture there? row, not the furniture, oh, furniture row. Yeah, row. that's the one where I said. That's what. Yeah, um, <laughs> him and Regan Smith, I think, were the ones to get them their first victories. Actually, I think it was Kurt Busch got him the first top five. If that was a road course in Sonoma, and then I think Regan maybe got him the first victory at uh, Darlington, if I recall correctly. That's why I say he was mm-hmm. part of that that led to that Martin Truex championship with that team. Uh, you're right. That's right. Uh, and that's w- what he brings to the team. And I know I say even Dave Moody talked about it. I mean, he just elevates every team he comes to. Uh, he has picked up a lot of victories for these teams, but even if it's not a win, it is still the, just the evolution of and raising of their program 
um, that is the big contribution. Yes, indeed. Okay, we'll go ahead and move on uh, now to talk about uh, uh, this victory for Kurt Busch. It's the third annual Advent Health 400 at Kansas Speedway. Kurt Busch is now 43 years old. Gosh, that difference is impossible. Uh, driving the number 45 Jordan brand Toyota with uh, owner Michael Jordan. How cool is that? And crew chief Billy Scott. Uh, it was his 34th victory in 769 Cup Series races, uh, his first victory in fifth top ten finish this year, and his first victory in 14th top ten finish in 33 races at Kansas Speedway. Uh, Kyle Larson finished in second place, posting his seventh top ten finish in 15 races at Kansas, and his seventh top ten finish this year. Kyle Busch, the two Kyles right behind him, posted his 14th top 10 finish in 29 races at Kansas Speedway. Austin Sendrick finished 11th. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, Kurt Busch, uh, uh, in an event that was fraught with pit road mistakes and mechanical issues, Kurt Busch ran an impeccable race in an intensely competitive run to the finish of Sunday's Advent Health 400 at Kansas Speedway. He knows past the leader, Kyle Larson, at the finish line on lap 259 of 267 and completed the pass two corners later off turn two as Larson scraped the outside wall. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, again, the win was his first of the year and the first at Kansas Speedway for him, uh, which is pretty cool. Larson uh, was followed by Kyle Busch, then it was Denny Hamlin. The pole winner, Kristen Bell and Martin Truex Jr., uh, the number one of Chastain, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Alex Bowman, and Bubba Wallace uh, rounding out the top ten finishers. Uh, Bush led most laps on the day at 116 and took the lead from Larson with just eight laps remaining. He pulled away for a 1.4 second margin of victory. Stage one was won by uh, Kyle Bush. Stage two was won by Kurt Bush. There were 18 lead changes among 10 drivers, eight cautions for 47 yellow flag laps and the average speed of the race was 124.476 miles per hour. Uh, so uh, a big win for Kurt Busch. Your thoughts about the race results there? Yeah, there's a lot of them there. Uh, I look at uh, Denny Hamlin. Uh, I know that's one of the hot topics Mike had put up. We'll talk about him. Getting a top five finish, Christopher Bell. Uh, one of those we see laying in the weeds, if you will, and I know, Sharon, you got another topic of how many winners we'll see. Uh, that comes into mm-hmm. play. Good run for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, coming home in the eighth place, and then Bubba Wallace. And a couple of them tie into what you mentioned, uh, pit road issues. Uh, and I know the Bubba Wallace and Denny Hamlin, one ties together in Mike's hot topic. So we'll get to those here in about uh, ten minutes. But good runs. <laughs> um, you know, yes, we saw some teams. Uh, Chase Elliott being one of them, I think, and Tyler Reddick, I believe, which were my two drivers for the weekend. Thank you very much. Um, have some issues. Uh, there were some tire issues already back in, in practice. I'm not sure what was leading to that. But then to see these teams 
that don't have that problem or overcome it and capitalize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of these drivers even overcame it and still got the top finishes like Bubba Wallace. So good to see these teams. And the other one you mentioned, the rookie of the year, Austin Sindrick. Uh, I know he came out, won the Daytona 500, has a victory right now. We, we talked about this a couple of years ago when we talked about how many winners we're going to get. That win, we, we think win and you're in, it is possible that you could have a win and still not get in. Austin Sindrick, uh, when we look at the points, let's see where he's at, has a victory, but I think he is still maybe, he might have gotten back inside. He was outside the top 16. If we get 15 winners and the points leader doesn't have a victory, we could see that win not get you into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely possible. And the one driver who is most vulnerable right now, if that happens, is Denny Hamlin. So uh, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But uh, I want to do a couple shout-outs here as well. Noah Gregson had an 18th-place finish uh, in his car uh, this weekend, the number 16 for Pollard Racing. Um, and uh, there were – B.J. McLeod had a chassis issue. Uh, he has raced into that to 32 laps. And Justin Haley had an electrical issue ending his day after just 64 laps. So a couple of drivers having some issues there uh, mechanically, but a lot of drivers did have some pit road issues uh, that really – uh, impacted their day, uh, and uh, that was disappointing for sure. And I know we're talking about that uh, during our Hot Topics uh, conversation as well, so it's for 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock discussion there. Well, uh, you're leaving one out there, and that would be Eric Jones. I think it took him the majority yes. of that race. Uh, if you got one lug nut and it stuck, you got a problem. Uh, I, I don't even know what Huge. tools they all use to try and pull that lug nut, that wheel off the uh, the right rear. Uh, that is one of those I don't know that you will ever see again to that degree. Uh, yeah, they spent that entire race trying to get one lug nut and wheel off. They certainly did. And, uh, again, uh, I learned some things about uh, the Lord Nuts today, uh, listening to Sirius XM radio, but I'll save that for a hot topic discussion because uh, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun to talk about. Okay. Um, uh, any other thoughts there? Or do you want to go to the uh, points? Well, we'll slide over to the points. Um, I, I, you already gave the one shout out there. Uh, for me, it was going to be directly to to Mike of, my pick as well, but uh, we could have done better by actually having taken Noah Gregson uh, with that college racing team um, as our drivers had some issues there. But good run by Noah Gregson there in one of his limited cup starts for uh, college racing. All right, okay. to the point standings. Um, Chase Elliott is your points leader up 52 points overall when it comes to the standings. And I'll tie this back to something in a minute. It uh, does have the one race win now, two stage wins, seven playoff points built up. Ryan Blaney, second in points at 52 back, does have four stage wins for four playoff points. Um, third is Kyle Bush, one victory, one stage win. 
I, I didn't realize that. That was Kyle Busch's uh, first stage win of the year. That was a little shocking. But has six playoff points built up. William Byron, two, vi- two race wins, 13 playoff points. And Ross Chastain, the other one with two victories, at 12 playoff points. So those are your top two playoff points uh, getters right now. Martin Truex, no wins, fits in six spot, three stage wins for three playoff points. Then you got Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, and Kyle Larson, seventh, eighth, and ninth. And their lines all read the same. One win, one stage win, each has six playoff points. Mentioned a good run there for Christopher Bell is in 10th. Kevin Harvick, Eric Almarola, and Austin Dillon through 13th. Uh, Zeros across the board there. Then you got Chase Briscoe in 14th. Has a win and a stage win, six playoff points. Tyler Reddick right now in 15th. Uh, no race wins. You've come close, but no race wins yet. Two stage uh, wins for two playoff points. Now, here's where it becomes uh, important. Austin Sindrick now is in 16th. Uh, I say I didn't. Yeah, it's tight. Um, so he, right now he's in with the points and the win uh, in 16th, and that establishes the cut line. But he's at 291. Eric Jones, unfortunately, at that race, 290. Kurt Busch is now the one we're talking about uh, with the victory. Uh, one win, one stage win. Oh, there it sounds like it uh, worked. Uh, yeah. For six. <laughs> Sorry, I was checking that out. It is working. No, that's, at that's um, Kurt Busch in 18th would jump in at this point, which would push out Austin Sindrick, which would put him back in, which means Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe. I'm sorry, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon. Um, Sounds like last year. The 13th and 15th, if they need that victory and don't get up into points. Um, Actually, I I take that back. Wow, this is – you. I I apologize, Sharon. You were right. Denny Hamlin, I didn't realize that. He was that far back. 20th in points has a victory. Um, So that means three because, wow – that would go up to Eric Almarola then in 12th in points at 322. The 16th in points is 291. 30, 28, 9, 31 points, and Eric Almarola is actually technically on the bubble uh, up in 12th with uh, Kurt Busch and Denny Hamlin being out and Austin Sindrick in 16th because he'd be the first one to technically be pushed out but would lock back in. Wow. That's I'm sorry, I got that's blowing my mind now. Um, Isn't that crazy? So, yeah, come Thursday, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to break this down come Thursday on our preview show because that's gonna be extremely tight watching that playoff bubble here in the Cup Series. And, and you know we what? got drivers. We also Go talked ahead. about uh, Brad Keselowski. Uh, if he gets a win right now, he's 31st in the points. That win will not get him in. He has to be in the top 30 to be able to get in. So, Rodriguezowski is another one to watch. You're right, and we've we've seen again some good runs, and we got some super speedway races coming up. You're right um, that whether or not that win would get him up uh, into the playoffs, and right now that would put four uh, on that outside that would move up. Uh, and that's if we don't get any other first-time winners from below the line. We've seen Eric Jones have some good runs. Uh, 
could get the victory. Daniel Suarez with Trackhouse Racing come close. We know that they're on on fire with Trackhouse Racing. Then you got uh, Chris Busher, Bubba Wallace, you know, and we got some of the what we call wild cards. Cole Custer, a former race winner uh, in 27. So we could really see, and I know we're getting close to hot topics time, and that's one of them. Uh, this become an issue of that first time that we have a race winner not get into the playoffs. Uh, I think it's certainly possible this year, uh, looking at the uh, report here. So, um, anyway, I thought the racing was fantastic this past weekend at Kansas Speedway. Uh, and it does sound like there was a dominating race, but we heard Zane Smith talk about it. Uh, it sounds like it's dominating when you look at the stats, but it is not easy for these drivers to win these races. Uh, they still have to work at it, even when they dominate the race, and especially when there are restarts involved. So um, uh, I think the racing this year has been fantastic in all the series. It has been, and I think just mentioning that, this was the goal of the next-gen car. We're seeing the parity, a little closer competition. Again, we still have William Byron and Ross Chastain, which Ross Chastain may be one that kind of capitalized on that, but those two with two victories, we aren't seeing that multiple winner having four, five, six victories. Go back to Kyle Larson having picked up uh, 10 last year. So... I think it's going to be a really tight playoff uh, cut line, uh, as we were just talking about. As I I was reading it, it was just throwing me for a loop because it is that tight and what could happen. Okay. Uh, Well, Jay, we are at the top of the hour, and that means it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, we have a couple of players here uh, to join us. Uh, for this conversation, and we've touched on it all night long throughout our review uh, show. So let's uh, bring in our uh, Panther Racing crew member first. We'll start with uh, Tommy Kraft. Welcome back, Tommy. It's good to have you on our Hot Topics tonight. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Glad to be back home. Okay. And also we have a guest on our Hot Topics tonight. Uh, he's visited with us before, and he's back again. Uh, we have Chris Crichton here to talk with us about Hot Topics tonight on our Fan for Racing radio show. Welcome, Chris. Well, hello, Miss Aaron. Hello. Glad to be on again tonight. Well, I'm thankful that you were available to uh, step into one of our open spots here tonight. And... Uh, uh, we have a lot of hot topics to talk about. Uh, I'll start with Tommy, uh, but before I do that, I want to uh, just do a quick test again. I tested earlier. Uh, we're having some audio issues for some of our listeners, and uh, I want to just go back and test both at fanforacing.com and Blog Talk Radio. When I tested this earlier, it was working. Part of that building. Okay, there it is. It is working at bamforracing.com. Uh, uh, let me go back and listen here at Blog Talk Radio, and it is working there. So I know we had some issues with that earlier. Uh, it seems as though it is fixed now, so uh, hopefully all of our listeners are able to tune in uh, for our conversation. 
Okay, Tommy, uh, if you will uh, go ahead and get us started on tonight's hot topic. Okay. All right. Well, let's go with um, uh, let's go with uh, Kurt Busch winning the uh, the Kansas race this past weekend for Jordan in the 45 car. And um, I believe you posted a link that says why Kurt Busch is a perfect drop for, for Michael Jordan's team. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, Chris, uh, we'll, we'll hear what you have to say about that, too. The win with Kurt Busch this weekend from Michael Jordan and uh, why he's the perfect driver for that team. Well, of course, any time that you're creating a franchise, you want to go out and you want to get the best veteran you can. Um, and Kurt Busch has been a proven winner at every single organization he's driven for, except, I believe, the only win that he didn't uh, get one at is with James Finch. But he, he was mighty close a couple of times, especially at the road courses. So uh, Kurt Busch has that uh, never-give-up attitude. And uh, it's it's quite interesting how over the last decade he's gone from villain to, uh, uh, you know, uh, a driver well-respected in the garage. Okay. And, Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, Sharon and I were having a tough time uh, not leading into this too much <laughs> as we were doing the, uh, the review uh, and talking about this. And, you know, Dave Moody had it out on his, his tweet – of that of Kurt Busch being that driver you mentioned veteran driver that can just come in and elevate your program um, and take it to another level and, and yeah it has taken that time as Chris there uh, mentioned a, a villain to hero if you will um, and he admitted that you know he had to go through that maturity uh, maturation stage um, and we've seen that and to know that he can be counted on to pick up a victory while carrying the Jordan brand for Team 2311, uh, you couldn't script that any better. I know a lot of people were talking about uh, that paint scheme as, as a, a phenomenal paint scheme, and I thought it was pretty cool myself. Um, but to have somebody like Jordan come in, not just as an owner, but then as with his own company and the Jordan brand to invest as sponsorship and get rewarded like that, uh, just is huge. I mean, that shows what the what that kind of uh, deal can work for sponsorships. Um, and you mentioned it of not just for elevating the team, mentor to Bubba Wallace. Uh, we saw that already early in the year of what Bubba Wallace said. Hey, Kurt came and showed me some things I can improve on. The dedication he has to watching um, tapes and, and stuff and improving. And when we talked about it in his post-race interview that we, we listened to tonight, calculating, saying, okay, I know I'm gaining on him in turn two. That's my spot. I'm going to take 10 laps to work my way up. So when I get to turn two, that's where I'm going to get him to, to have that kind of driver mentality. And then the feedback and what he builds with the team to elevate it so he has the car capable to do that. That's absolutely right. You guys uh, have really said a lot in just a short amount of time, Bush. And I'm going to just kind of add to that. Um, uh, Bubba Wallace, by the way, came home with the top ten finish this weekend. Uh, and he, he credited Kurt Busch uh, with helping to support him. Um, but also I saw on Twitter earlier today 
Uh, and Kyle Busch gets noticed for this quite a lot, uh, being a mentor for other drivers in the sport and helping them to develop. Uh, Noah Gregson put out a thank you to Kyle Bush, or Bush this weekend um, and to say, or I, I don't know if he did it this weekend or on uh, Monday, but he said thank you to Kurt Busch for all the support that he's given him. He's another driver that has had to go through a maturity curve, if you will. And uh, he, he thanked Kurt Busch uh, for being a mentor to him. So Kurt Busch is doing that as well. And I think he gets underrated uh, for uh, how much he supports other drivers, uh, not just within his own team, but outside of his own team as well. Uh, and he's done that throughout his career, by the way. Uh, Chris, you mentioned it, the fact that he's been with so many different teams and elevated those teams, as uh, as uh, uh, Jay also mentioned. Uh, he doesn't just go into those teams and uh, ride around. Uh, he, he is in there to help that team become better and to help drivers become better, including himself. So I think Kurt Busch has really matured uh, significantly over the years. We've watched him for a couple of decades here, I guess, Um, and uh, his maturity uh, has really paid off in spades uh, for all these different organizations, but also the manufacturers. He's one in every manufacturer, uh, Ford, Toyota, Chevrolet, and Dodge. So uh, it doesn't matter what car you put him in, he's going to make that organization better. He's going to make that car better, uh, and and uh, he's going to become a better driver himself. And one thing we heard in his post-race interview is how he studied uh, Kyle Larson and looked where his best opportunity to pass him would be. And I, I think that's a sign of a mature veteran driver of this sport as well. And uh, he did a good job of making that pass and uh, going after that victory. So, uh, Tommy, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um, great win for 23XI. That's huge. Uh, Bubba also finished in the top ten. It's also a big moment for Denny Hamlin. Um, Yeah, uh, it was awesome to see that paint scheme get to victory lane because it was the paint scheme of the the weekend, I think. And um, it's awesome to see the Jordan shoe brand, uh, the Jumpman logo, um, get a win. I feel like this was the first time it was on the car. So um, another, it's also important that the 45 car won. That was uh, Kyle Petty's number and Adam Petty's number back in the day. So that's another huge, huge thing. I'm sure the Petty fans are glad to see uh, that car back in victory lane. Um, Huge for MJ also. I mean, maybe he comes to a race now and uh, Kurt or Bubba will – put him in victory lane while he's at the racetrack because that would be awesome uh, to see MJ celebrate with the team. But, um, yeah, it's crazy that Kurt Busch has gone from the 97 Roush car to the number two Penske car, which was a Dodge at the time, and uh, Roush was obviously a Ford. Um, So if we could go back in time and put him in a Pontiac, I'm sure he'd get a win, and then we'd uh, <laughs> then we'd have uh, almost all all victories uh, for Kurt Busch um, to add to the Chevy and Dodge and Ford and now Toyota list. So um, 
yeah, it's just crazy. And he didn't even race in the Xfinity Series. He went from the trucks right to the cup level, and uh, he did run some Xfinity. He, of course, he's ran Xfinity races now, but um, he went from straight from truck to cup, and uh, he's got 30-some wins in a championship. He's won in all four uh, car manufacturers. He's won in all three series. I say he has a case for the Hall of Fame. I mean, Matt Kenseth got in on the first first vote around. I don't see why Kurt Busch wouldn't. And also, Kurt Busch, um, he went through a little bit of an attitude adjustment period. I uh, hope he passes it on to Kyle. And, um, yeah, it's actually now now that Newman's gone, I'm holding on to Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch. Please do not leave. Please do not retire. Race a few more years. Don't retire yet. Okay, Chris, your follow-up comments. Uh, just, uh, I'll follow up with what uh, Tommy said about the jump brand being uh, jumpman brand being on the car, and how significant that is uh, for the sport. We brought in a minority owner, and uh, in two years of that team, there's been two victories. This one uh, can be legitimized. Uh, everybody understands that super speedway racing is a toss-up. It's a crapshoot. But now Bubba puts himself in a place uh, to to be up front. And he's proved that time and time again at these super speedways. So with, uh, with Kurt Busch's win, it just it just shows that, uh, um, you know, this team is for real. And uh, Michael Jordan has made a good investment. He's brought in the right people because, uh, you know, um, it's uh, it's in a tough world that NASCAR has become to have an owner come into the sport and within two years have two victories. Uh, you know the track house and 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 twenty three eleven uh, are are making it look easy compared to other teams like Yen Racing and mm-hmm. uh, you know even Evernham. I mean you know the, the, all these teams have uh, look how long it took Furniture Row to to become a successful uh, race team. So you know. Um, but it's amazing for the jump brand as a jump man brand as well, because I mean, this is, uh, a leap and bound situation with Michael Jordan. And, uh, once again, it pays off and the community, uh, the, the basketball community, the world, every time Michael Jordan does something, the world pays attention. So uh, that's my follow-up. Okay. Jay, your follow-up. Well, I love having uh, different the different people here uh, on the show. Tommy just hit on something else um, that I know got talked about a little bit, but he just uh, brought back up. Kurt talked about it, the number 45. Yeah, that was what Jordan wanted to bring to the team, but they went to the Petty family uh, and asked for that number out of respect. And Adam Petty just actually, uh, his birthday had just passed. Um, and I think he mentioned, Kurt mentioned that in the, in the post-race as well. Um, mm-hmm. to be able to carry that, not just for Jordan and, and for that, but for the Petty team and Adam Petty uh, as well, because we hadn't seen that number on track since uh, since uh, Adam Petty um, had driven it. Um, so that was it was another bonus to that um, throughout the weekend. And I don't know what more could be said. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about it. The one thing I will add uh, that got added, I know, on, on Twitter, you look at what Kurt Busch did when he did the Coca-Cola 600 and the Indianapolis 500 picking up a six-place finish at the Indy 500. Um, Shows what kind of driver. I know there was talk of him going to Formula One with with Haas um, before he left Chip uh, Chip Ganassi and and come over to Haas Racing. 
um, and then uh, moving on from there. And that might still be a possibility like we've seen Jimmy Johnson do. He is just that talented. And I think somebody, I don't remember who said it about being kind of an underrated driver. We just talked about Matt Kenseth getting into the Hall of Fame. And I know I was one. I said I was surprised he went in as early as he did on the first ballot. But Kurt Busch is one of those two. Has a championship. Has, you know, mid-range as far as total career victories. But what he has done for the sport, and we've gone through all the different teams that he has helped build their program, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that really does put you into the Hall of Fame. Um, not flashy of, you know, seven championships, say, as Earnhardt Petty or, or uh, Jimmy Johnson, but no, not to be taken away from nonetheless. Absolutely. And my follow-up, uh, I want to just mention, I'm, I'm from the Chicago area, and uh, I remember the Michael Jordan days with the Chicago Bulls. And I would tell you, Michael Jordan elevated uh, every team player on the Bulls. Uh, he just uh, he expects a lot of himself, but he expects a lot from his teammates as well. And uh, he knew how to motivate them and encourage them to be better. Uh, than they ever thought that they could be. So I see that happening with Michael Jordan, and that's why I think that Kurt Busch is also a perfect fit with Michael Jordan uh, because they have similar personalities in that regard. They elevate the people around them. They elevate the team. They elevate, uh, you know, other drivers. So I do think that this is a perfect matchup, and uh, I agree with everything that you guys are saying about him being uh, a first-round Hall of Famer uh, when the time comes. I'm, I don't think he's ready for that just yet. Uh, time will tell the rest of the story in that regard. Uh, but I think uh, Kurt Busch still has some business to tend to, and uh, uh, I'm happy for what I see happening at uh, track house racing, I'm happy for what I see happening at 2311 racing. A lot of people were wondering when 2311 would come up with that victory after seeing what was happening at track house racing. Uh, but both of those teams are um, raising the bar, if you will, so for new teams that are coming in. Uh, they are the role models for how to make a, a championship team or how to make a winning team at least. Uh, in in uh, in coming into the Cup Series, so uh, I'm really happy. Uh, this was a very significant win this weekend with Kurt Busch at Kansas Speedway, and by the way, his first victory at Kansas Speedway ever. So uh, he's raced at a lot of different tracks, and uh, he can add Kansas Speedway as uh, one of those tracks that he's won at, in addition to winning in all three series and all of the other things that we pointed out here tonight. So, Tommy, your wrap-up for this subject. I believe that's also how many ever consecutive years Kurt Busch has won a race, so um, he's consistent. I definitely think he has a Hall of Fame case career. I mean, he's a champion. He's got 30-some wins. He's won in all three series, won in all four manufacturers. Um, Roush, Penske, uh, Stuart Haas, um, Chip Ganassi. Now he's with Michael Jordan. Um, I don't see why he doesn't go in the Hall of Fame. But, uh, yeah, um, 
keep on racing. I'm sure 23XI gets at least one other win this year because Kurt Busch can get it done at a bunch of tracks. You can't count Bubba out at Daytona and Talladega. He's always a threat there. So I definitely see them getting another win for sure, I think. Um, it's awesome to see all these young teams doing good, especially really early. I mean, Trackhouse already has two wins. 20X, 23XI has two wins. Um, yeah, future's looking good, and um, it looks like um, a, a veteran of the sport now. Um, no longer a Gillette Young Gun um, is still winning, which is awesome. Okay. Uh, Chris? Do you have a hot topic that you would like to discuss with us here tonight? Yeah, sure. Um, so I read the other day, well, I guess it was yesterday, that uh, this is the first time since 2003 that we've had 11 different winners out of 13 races. That leaves an, uh, a situation. We've got 13, well, 12 races left in front of us. Um, there is a major possibility that the win in your end theory may not uh, work out this year. I was inter- interested in knowing you guys' you guys' thoughts on whether or not uh, you believe this is a significant situation, or um, that you know we'll, we'll basically stay under sixteen different winners this season. Okay, I'll go ahead and give Mike Orzel's thoughts. He did comment on this on our uh, thread in our team's uh, page, uh, and he says it's entirely possible. Everyone kind of has Reddick penciled in to the win column at some point. Bell has been running better. If Suarez can get over his snake bite, there's also Blaney, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, and Harvick, uh, all decent possibilities as well. Uh, so, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, this is another one. As we were doing the uh, points recap and I was reading it, I was stumbling through it because I didn't realize how tight and and impactful this is. You know, Chris asked if this is significant. It is very significant. Uh, We talked about it a little bit. We had uh, 11 early last year, uh, and then Kyle Larson started gobbling up wins um, and kind of eliminated that. But Michael McDowell was in that position having won the Daytona 500. Now, I mentioned Austin Sindrick had worked his way back into the 16th in points, so he's in. But you still have Kurt Busch and Denny Hamlin in 18th and 20th. They move in, which pushes uh, Austin Sindrick out. However, he's back in. So we're up to 12th place, Eric Almarola, um, that would be in jeopardy. And then as Sharon and I were talking you go down that list, Tyler Reddick uh, in 15th, like Mike said, kind of penciled in for victory. We've seen the runner-up finishes. Eric Jones has had some top five runs, uh, minus this last weekend's lug nut issue, um, has been much better this year that we've seen them growing. Daniel Suarez, we know what Trackhouse can do. Then you got, uh, where did I go here, uh, 21st in points, Chris Busher. We know Roush uh, Keselowski Racing and uh, Keselowski right now uh, needs to get in the top 30 as well, um, but he's still a possibility. When you come to Super Speedway, you got Justin Haley, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse right there. Ty Dillon, another one. We've seen some flashes, especially at the short tracks. 
um, where they have been competitive, match uh, as part of uh, GMS Petty Racing and um, teammate, uh, I lost it, um, Eric Jones. So we know they're possible. Harrison Burton, yes, he's a rookie and had a rough start, but we know that as part of an alliance with Team Penske, that the Wood Brothers have that capability. Cole Custer, uh, previous winner. So there's a, there's a Corey LaJoyce, the, the 130th in points. We've seen him come close in the top five. And we got a couple of wild card road course races yet to come that we've seen. The super speedways are always that way. Uh, I really, really, really think this is a possibility. And, and I hate to say it that I'd hate to see a winner not get in, but think about how exciting that is that you're talking about seven, 16, 17 different winners that even winning a race doesn't lock you in because that means that's how competitive the Cup Series is, and I love to see that. I hate it for whoever's got the win and doesn't get in because um, they won, but, I mean, that to see that kind of competitive field, that's what we want to see. Um, you know, appreciate what Kyle Larson did, picking up 10 victories in a year. Kevin Harvick did it the year before. Phenomenal job, but it's great to see that kind of variety and I say, big shout out to NASCAR, I think the next gen car, and narrowing that gap and making it more competitive for all teams, I think has been a huge factor. It definitely has been. Tommy, your thoughts about this topic? Well, just like you guys are saying, it was just like last year at this time. Um, we were talking about how there was 10 or so different winners already in 15 races and now here we are next year talking about the same thing which is a good thing it means that a bunch of different drivers are winning and that it's competitive and all i can think about is is if we keep this rate going unless if somebody pulls a kyle larson or kevin harvick um we might have a very interesting daytona uh, august race um that was going to be a little little uh I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it's going to be very eventful, to say the least, if they keep it going at this rate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. And there's so many drivers that could definitely win. Um, Tyler Reddick has been close this year. He comes to mind. Um, Daniel Suarez has been up front, but he keeps on having something weird happen, like an engine problem or losing a tire. Um you can't count Justin Haley out at Super Speedways, and he just finished third at Darlington uh, last week. Um, I wouldn't say you could count out Bubba, because 23XI had two cars in the top ten this week. So there is – it's a real chance again. And also, too, if we get 16 winners, and last year Denny Hamlin hadn't – won yet, but had been finishing in the top five and ten consistently enough that he would have been the champion and somebody would have had their feelings hurt had that been the case. Even though they had a win, they wouldn't have gotten in. So maybe we see that again this year. Maybe we see uh, 15 winners and a a champion get in or the defending season champion get in, or maybe we see um, 16 winners and a uh, regular season champion that moves um, somebody out of the way uh, for that last spot. So, but yeah, the, uh, just like last year at this time, it's crazy. And barring anybody uh, pulling a Kyle Larson, um, we probably will have 16 different winners, which would be great. 
Yeah, I think uh, this is definitely the year, but uh, let me do our announcement before I get into this. Um, we are coming up to the 10.30 time frame, and we do go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. And for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, uh, you're going to hear us go off the air, and we're going to be talking mid-sentence when that happens. Uh, just know that we are recording the rest of that conversation, and it is part of our bonus overtime material uh, that's available on our podcast. So what I'll do is I'll go out on Twitter to let you know that the podcast is now available. And at that point, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark and hear the rest of that conversation. So, uh, again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know how they can hear uh, the rest of the conversation. And so we make this announcement uh, for our first-time listeners at this time of the show. Okay, getting into... uh, uh, the 16 winners, uh, I do think it's possible. We have 13 races to go. There are five different spots that are available, Five, only five spots. Uh, I think it's highly possible that five people, five different people could win in these next uh, 13 races. Now, what's different between this year and last year? Uh, yeah, we had this conversation last year, but last year we didn't have the next-gen car that has brought a lot of parity uh, to the racing this season. And I was thinking about it earlier today. It used to be Talladega was a wild-card race. Uh, Daytona is a wild-card race. Uh, some people still think of road course races as being the kind of a wild-card. Um, uh, but I will tell you, I think just about every race is a wild card race anymore because so many different things can happen throughout a race. Uh, and this is one of our hot topics that are coming up. Uh, but there were a lot of people who had pit road issues, uh, flat tires. Um, and, and we'll talk about all the different things that are going on with regard to that when we get to that hot topic. But, uh, just about every race is a wild card race anymore, and your team has to be nearly perfect in order to win these races anymore. And on any given day, that could be any given driver. We've seen Chris Busher have some good runs. We've seen Tyler Reddick knocking on that door. We've seen so many drivers that are knocking on that door that I think it's highly possible we're going to get five more different winners in these next 13 races before this is all said and done. Is the intensity going to pick up? Absolutely. You've got drivers like Kevin Harvick. Uh, it, it's, Kevin Harvick may not be in the uh, playoffs. I, I'm thinking he's going to be uh, knocking on that door of trying to get a victory in these next 13 races, especially given the possibility that you could have one win and still not get in. Uh, Brad Keselowski right now 31st in the points. Even if he gets a win, he has to be in the top 30 to be in the playoffs. Um, you talked about displacing some of the drivers that are on the bubble, Jay. Uh, that is certainly another possibility that could happen here. You could have drivers that are in the top 16, but they don't get in because they don't have that win. So <laughs> it, it can go in reverse as well. 
Uh, I'm really excited about this. And I, I think the next-gen car has created a situation for NASCAR uh, that is going to give a lot of fans a lot of reasons to be at the racetrack and to be tuning in to see what's going to happen next and who's going to be the next different winner uh, to win this season. Uh, so it's all good from where I sit. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you look at each of the organizations, Stuart Haas, uh, they have uh, Kevin Harvick, Eric Amarola, you know, Cole Custer could could pull him off one. You've got JGR, you know, you've got Christopher Bell and Martin Truex that have not won. Those those are four drivers, four to five drivers right there. You know, you also you have Richard Childress who's been knocking on the door uh, with his two drivers, Austin Dillon and uh, – um, uh, Tyler Reddick, of course, we're all waiting for the Tyler Reddick moment, right? I mean, we thought it would have already happened by now. But, you know, we, we get excited. We think, okay, this is going to happen. And then what always happens toward the, the middle of the season? Well, we get into a rhythm. And that, if you look at the stats right now, Hendrick Motorsports, they're, they're sitting there with, what, uh, five victories, already six victories so on the year. You know, it's gonna. It's we're just gonna see that tally up, right? We're gonna see William Byron get him a couple more wins. We're gonna see Kyle Larson win. You know, is Alex Bowman gonna pop off another one? Um, you know, uh, who who else is there? <laughs> there's there's well, Chase Elliott. Chase course, Elliott, right? He just picked he just picked up his win. So you know, we know Hendrick Motorsports is gonna win probably at least a third to half of these races that are coming up. Uh, JGR is finally hitting on all cylinders. It looked like Toyota found something at Kansas, so you know you kind of got to get excited. <clears throat> Martin Truex Jr. should be knocking on the door there, but I think we're going to run out of time as we always do. It's going to be close. Um, I think last year we did get 17 winners, right? Because Bubba Wallace won in the playoffs that just didn't count towards towards that number. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're knocking on that door to do it this year, but but you know most of the time when we're going to these tracks for the second time. We've traditionally seen the drivers that have already won start accumulating uh, more wins. So, uh, you know, I, I think strategically it could happen, but for the most part, just having this kind of exciting beginning of a year where we've seen these different winners and uh, the guys have, you know, kind of made an early bid for the playoffs. Um, you know, it's been it's given us a lot of interesting content uh, so far in this uh, 2022. Uh, race season. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Well, normally, normally, Sharon, it's on one of us to represent Mike. Uh, Chris did it tonight. I don't know if you're aware of it. But Hendrick <laughs> Motorsports right now is that powerhouse. And we look at it going back a week. William Byron could have more than his two victories. Uh, as I think about that, um, Ross Chastain actually had a couple of spots where he maybe could have had one or two more. The one thing, um, as I bring those particular drivers up, that incident with Joey Logano and, uh, and William Byron, Joey Logano saying, Hey, I got to get this victory. You know, Sharon and I know we've had separate conversations about this as well as on, on hot topic, you know, that does elevate that. I got to win possibly at any cost. Um, mentality and i know that uh sharon you must have been listening to sirius xm at the same time i was this morning um (laughs) to hear him talk about that of 
you know, that it really is. I mean, we're seeing it. You, you got the victory, but you're outside the points. You know, Denny Hamlin, uh, Kurt Busch, and, and Austin Sindrick, you know, that's not even secured them as of yet. So there is that mentality of I got to get the victory just to get in the playoffs, and that might not even be enough. So that's kind of what's elevated that, that thought process thought process and that aggression when it comes to picking up a victory. Um, and then the other thing, as we were going through all that, um, Tommy was talking about it right now. Ryan Blaney is second in points, 52 points behind Chase Elliott. If he were to be the points leader, not have a victory, he would still be guaranteed the spot. So there again, um, that could come into play. It might only be 15 race winners if the points leader happens to not have a victory. And Ryan Blaney is up near the top in that position. And then I think it was uh, Chris pointed out Martin Truex is six in points, the next one down without a victory. So there is still that possibility of it could even only be 15 race winners that are eligible. Um, I would have thought it happened in a truck series first at 10-10. We've seen eight and nine victors get in. Um, but we could really realistically see it here in the Cup Series. And like I said, I feel bad for somebody that gets a win and doesn't get in the playoffs, but I'm excited by that possibility because that means there is top, tough competition on the track. Yeah, it doesn't get much tougher. Tommy? Yeah, I'm just excited to see who is going to win. Uh some of these races that we keep on talking about and um, to round out the season this year. Uh, one that I was going to add that y'all had already talked about was Brad Kay. You cannot count him out at Daytona and Talladega coming up, especially with how um, the penalty affected him this year. So, you know, he's definitely going to try to sneak a win in where anywhere possible, especially since he's a new team owner. Uh, trying to definitely get us his car victory lane. So I know he's going to be aggressive. Um, yeah, there is a real chance again. We talked about it last year. It didn't happen, so maybe it happens this year. But um, all it's going to take is for one guy to start dominating, and that chance will go away. But uh, uh, we'll see. But it's definitely a good thing that all these cars are competitive and doing well because uh, it makes everything interesting, that's for sure. And, um that Daytona-August race is going to be wild. Exactly right. Uh, I think this is going to be wild for the next 13 races, to be honest with you. Um, uh, even if Chase Elliott, uh, William Byron, uh, Alex Bowman, and Kyle Larson uh, all get another win uh, this season, uh, that's four out of the 13 races. Uh, that still leaves... Uh, nine races for five different winners. Um, so I, I, even if they get multiple wins, I think it's still an open possibility for five more different winners this season. And uh, you brought up uh, Brad Kieslowski right now, 31st in, in points. Uh, if he's able to get a win and put himself in the top 30, I think he's going to need a second win in order to guarantee a spot into the playoffs. And we've been kind of saying that uh, right from the very beginning uh, because of the possibility. Justin Haley right now is 23 in points. He's, you know, another one uh, 
Cole Custer's 27 in points right now. These guys might need more than one win in order to get into the playoffs this season because they're so far back in the points. Uh, but the other vulnerability, and I'll mention this again, you've got drivers like, uh, let's start with Christopher Bell. Right now he's 10th, no wins yet. Kevin Harvick, no wins yet. Eric Amarola, no wins. Austin Dillon, no win. Chase Briscoe has a win. He might need a second one. Uh, Tyler Reddick has no wins yet. Uh, those are the drivers, uh, in addition to Martin Truex, who's sixth, and Ryan Blaney, who's second. Those drivers, if they don't get a win, they can be displaced out of the top 16 by those drivers that are below uh, 16th in points uh, that have a win. Drivers like Kurt Busch, who's right now 18th. Denny Hamlin, who's 20, 20th in the in the points. Uh, if those drivers have a win and can displace right now, that would be uh, Tyler Reddick, and that would be Austin Dillon, who's at 15th and 13th in the points. They could be displaced out of the top 16 by those drivers who have that win below that cut line. So uh, I, I really think that this year um, uh, is going to these next 13 races are all going to be enormously competitive. And uh, I, I do think that uh, these guys are going to do um, – a lot. I hope they continue to race like Kurt Busch raced this weekend uh, and sh- and showcase their talent. Uh, I know we've got this as another hot topic, so I won't get too much into that. Um, but I, I do think um, that uh, uh, some of these drivers are going to need more than one win in order to secure their spot into the playoffs uh, this year. And again, I, with the Fans have a lot of reasons to tune into each and every one of these next 13 races, and then it's going to be more of the same when we get down to the last 10 races of the season and the playoffs start. Chris, you get to wrap it up. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, just tell me what other sport has 11 out of 13 different winners. I mean, you know, and I'll wait for that answer because you're not going to find uh, any other sport in racing uh, with that kind of parody. Okay. Uh, well said. Okay, it is Jay's turn to bring up the next top topic. Well, this is one, one Mike brought up, um, and I think kind of ties into a couple of things we've been talking about. Uh, let me scroll up here and read how he put it. Oh, okay, it says, no link, it's my own thought. Is it time for Denny Hamlin to retire from driving to focus on 2311? And Sharon, you want me to wait to read his comments and backing to it, or you want to do that on a on a return trip? Uh, yeah, go ahead and read his comments now, and then we'll go to our our uh, next person. Okay, uh, it says the number 11 has had speed, but execution has been a problem for him. It's not all on Denny Hamlin, since, of course, he can't control things like leaving a wheel off at Dover, but it's pretty clear his focus is elsewhere. Uh, Chris Gabert even had to chastise him over the radio about asking about the 23 during the race while under caution. 
And it really looks like Denny's primary focus is the two car he owns, but he doesn't drive. So should he retire at the end of the season, contract permitting, I suppose, so he can focus fully on building 2311 into what he clearly wants them to be. Okay, Tommy, your first step on this hot topic. Yeah, so, I mean, last year at this time, I believe Denny was leading the points and uh, hadn't won a race yet either. Um, And then this year he's already got a win, so he's already in unless, like we've been discussing, 17 drivers win, then he might be out. But um, I can see where Mike's coming from, but I can also see why Denny is, you know, doing what he's doing. I mean, he does own a car with MJ, so it's going to be hard for him not to do the checkups and all that stuff. Is it a distraction for him? Uh, Possibly. I could definitely see that. Um, I think Joe Gibbs is going to have a, a decision to make uh, this year um, for Ty Gibbs. I mean, I think that Ty Gibbs is going to be a rookie next year for either. <clears throat> the only one that I think is safe that everybody would have thought would have not been safe is Christopher Bell. But Kyle Busch has an attitude problem and M&M's is leaving. So Ty Gibbs could go to the 18 car. That one makes the most sense to me because that is Joe Gibbs' original car, and that could be possibly where Ty goes. Then there's Denny Hamlin, who could retire, or the other option, I see him going to either the 23 or 45 car, uh, but we'll see how that goes because Bubba won last year, and Kurt Busch has a win this year. So, I mean, why change anything if that's going well? So, and then there's Martin Truex Jr., who could also uh, retire, and then that could be Ty Gibson's car. But um, as for Denny, that's just interesting. I mean, does he retire so he can focus on owning the team with Michael Jordan, or does he still race for the 11 car, or does he race for his own team and kick Kurt or Bubba out? Um, I really have no clue. I could see any of those three happening, honestly. It, it really could work out that way for any of those options that I just mentioned in my what I feel like in my opinion. But um yeah, time will tell for that one for sure. But uh uh Denny could also get it turned around. I mean he's one of the best out there. He could win the next couple of races. He could pull a Kyle, Kyle Larson and um that'll put it into the retirement talk. So who knows how this one will go. Okay, Chris, your thoughts yeah, I mean, there's a couple of parts to that that, I, that I'd like to chime in on, of course. Um, I did hear in live broadcast that uh, Denny had questioned where one of his cars was, and right then and there, it was kind of like a red flag as an owner. Um, you know, Joe Gibbs is kind of put into a, a, a situation there, right? Because with Denny wondering where his other teams, where his team is, that could that could make or break how Denny Hamlin's going to race somebody, right? I mean, you know, and mm-hmm. that that, uh, that was a little bit out of line there by Denny, and maybe that's going to be where things start to crumble. But now, the proof's in the pudding, right? There's a reason why the team's called 2311, right? We never really, we never really put together that, you know, that's Michael Jordan's number and the 11 is Denny's number. So is that really Denny's number? Like if he goes and races for himself, does he bring the 11 car with him? And we know 
that the franchise or uh, that the uh, that, that the idea for 2311 is to become eventually a four-car uh, powerhouse. So uh, they're building a building that's going to house four four charters. Um, that's the goal anyway. Uh, so, you know, Denny went out on his own to basically say, hey, I'm not going to get caught like some of these other drivers and not have a place to go when, when I'm given the axe. So we've seen that with Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart made his own way, you know, uh, um, Keselowski said he basically the same thing, right? You're not going to tell me when to retire. I'm going to invest into a team. Um, you know, Denny Hamlin built this team from scratch. He brought an outside investor uh, who ha- just happens to be Michael Jordan. Of course, I believe Denny Hamlin will eventually leave Doug Gibbs and drive for his own race team. Talking about retirement, I think that's a little bit too young uh, for Denny. He's, he's definitely going to try to chase the championship for as long as he can. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it, really the question is whether or not they're searching for that third charter and whether or not Joe Gibbs wants to pull the trigger similar to what Hendrick Motorsports did four or five years ago, right? When the Hendrick had the whole house cleaning, and people were like, oh, it's daddy daycare for Jimmy Johnson. Well, Christopher <laughs> Bell could be <laughs> the baby face of, of Joe Gibbs Racing, could, uh, could very well possibly be senior frog. Uh, in the next couple of years, uh, with uh, with some decisions that, and let me tell you something, Joe Gibbs is the NFL coach, right? And we know what the NFL is right stands for, right? Do we all know? Not for long. So Joe Gibbs <laughs> does not have that. He doesn't have that type of mentality towards. It. Tell me what driver has retired other than Carl Edwards in the middle of the season from Joe Gibbs Racing? I, I don't think I can name a single one. Okay. Uh, you bring up some great points, and I was actually thinking along those lines as well, um, uh, Chris, is that there's nothing to say that uh, Denny Hamlin doesn't leave Joe Gibbs Racing and go directly to 2311 uh, and race for his own race team. Uh, and uh, that would be an interesting thing. Uh, I think uh, Tony Stewart did that in the beginning, didn't he? Didn't he race? at Stuart House Racing uh, for a couple of years before he actually retired. Uh, I, I see Denny Hamlin maybe going down that same path. Um, uh, you bring up an interesting question. I don't know if maybe that was part of the agreement from the beginning, uh, that Denny Hamlin would take the 11 with him if he leaves Joe Gibbs Racing. But you're right. Uh, he opened up a can of worms this weekend by bringing up the 23 car while driving the number 11 uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing, and Chris Gabehart called him on that. Uh, so that is something that I'm sure uh, Joe Gibbs is having a conversation with Denny uh, this week about exactly that. Uh, so it is, it's going to be interesting to see how this does play out. If, if, if Denny Hamlin retires completely or if he goes in as a driver, uh, when he makes that transition from Joe Gibbs Racing over to uh, his own race team. Uh, there's challenges that come along with that, of course, uh, as we saw with Tony Stewart. Um, but uh, I think you're right. 2311 isn't looking to say as a two-car race team. Uh, the possibility of them becoming a three-car race team uh, could be imminent. Uh, so we'll have to see how that continues to play out. And, and you guys, Ty Gibbs. 
Honestly, I hope and I pray that that gift does not move out of the Xfinity series too soon. I think it could hold the potential of ruining his career if he does that too soon. Uh, He's demonstrated already this season that he has some maturity uh, concerns. Uh, I think it would do him good to be in the Xfinity series for at least an additional year beyond this season, Um, uh, if not two years, uh, so that he can go through that maturity uh, curve, if you will, and before he gets into the cup level of racing. Because I'm telling you, if he does in the Cup Series what he's done in the Xfinity Series to get wins, uh, I do think uh, some of those veteran drivers uh, will kind of sit him in his place. Uh, and, and honestly, I don't think that would be good for Ty Gibbs. I, I don't think he wants to continue that reputation. Uh, going into the Cup Series, I think he has some maturing to do. And look at the maturing that Kurt Busch did. Ty Gibbs has the potential to be a uh, Hall of Fame driver with the way he started out his career. But he's got to get some wins that showcase his talent versus bumping drivers out of the way to get those wins. I know uh, Joey Logano doesn't make any excuses uh, for him doing it that way. Uh, I think Joey Logano made a mistake last week because he could have won that race without bumping um, uh, William Byron, and he didn't do it. That was a perfect opportunity to take the higher road in that case and showcase his talent. Um, And I lost some respect for for, uh, uh, Joey Logano for not doing that. So I I do think um, it's going to be interesting to see how this does play out. Uh, we have to see what happens. Uh, Jay, your thoughts? Well, to answer the question, do I think he ought to retire? Absolutely not. Uh, we see he can still be competitive. Uh, you mentioned last year he was the top guy, although he didn't have the win, the top guy without a win, consistently top five. Uh, a few years back, I thought he was on the verge. When he went winless and, and really seemed to be struggling, he came back. He was he had three wins, I believe and was a championship contender last year yet again. This year, you look at Joe Gibbs Racing as a whole. I don't think it's Denny Hamlin or that 11 team that is the one that is struggling. Toyota has kind of struggled a little bit with this next-gen car. We see Truex doesn't have a win yet. We see Denny Hamlin have have one victory, uh, but again, picked up a top uh, five this past weekend. Uh, They got some pit road issues and things like that. Kyle Busch only has the one victory. So I I can't say that that's a distraction. Yes, he asked about it. It was under caution. Uh, I think, Sharon, I know you listen to in-car cameras throughout or in-car radios during a a race. There's drivers, they're singing, they're asking about what's for dinner, (laughs) ice cream. Okay, I I don't see that as a big deal um, as far as that under caution. I think he did catch the fact that they were a top-running team, and all of a sudden they weren't there, and he noticed that. Why did they drop down the board? Okay, yes, he's got that focus of what happened to him. Okay, it's a pit crew, pit crew issue yet again. We need to address that as far as me being the team owner. But he went back. He got a top-five finish. So are you saying if he hadn't been distracted, he would have won? I, I don't know. But I don't, I don't see it as a big deal. I understand that the crew chief was just saying, hey, let's, let's keep your mind back on racing. 
But I don't see it as a whole. That's why that team isn't winning and all this. Um, now, when you talk about, I do think, I'm, I'm with most of you, I think that eventually he does drive for his own team. But I will say this, when you're talking about it being a distraction, I think if you were to ask Tony Stewart that it is more of a distraction when you are driving for your own team that you're also trying to run. At least when you're driving for somebody else, they're the ones taking care of the car. Yes, you've got to communicate and be a part of that team, but you don't have to be as hands-on because you're not the owner. You're not the one in charge of it. You're not the one doing the sponsorship deals, okay? Now, if you're the driver and that, you know, Tony's talked about that. That was a little more difficult. And why, when he chose to, to stop racing, he could focus strictly on that. He doesn't have to be at the shop. You know, people question that at the track or at the shop. He's doing his role as just the owner. So I think driving for your own team and then worrying about driving and owning uh, is more of a distraction than if you're driving for somebody else. And I'm not saying he doesn't care about the Joe Gibbs race cars and equipment, but that's not then his responsibility entirely for that. So um, Brad Keselowski would be another one to kind of get that feedback on now, being that he's driving for a team he's also in an executive with. Um, Mm -hmm. So, no, I don't think he needs to retire right now. Like I said, I don't see that as his problems are because his mind is elsewhere. Um, Maybe he shouldn't ask about it like that. Or I, like I said, I don't see that as really that big a deal that I've heard some other comments. Like I said, while they're racing, you know, if it, and truthfully, if you're focused of, oh, who hit me 30 laps ago and I'm going to wreck them, that's more of a distraction than anything else because then you've you're got red in your eyes. So, you know, at least he wasn't focused on wrecking somebody on the track. I mean, if you think about it from that aspect. And I do, uh, we'll see what 2311 builds into. Uh, I don't think they're ready, obviously, with Kurt getting this win um, and being such a team-building veteran there pushing him or Bubba Wallace out yet. Um, I'm not going to say there isn't some uh, concern there, but as they've said, we're not providing them what they need to get the job done. So we can't say it's the driver. Just as Mike said, it's not necessarily the driver for Denny Hamlin's case and Denny Hamlin's case. So I don't see that. I think they would have to go the route of getting another charter or expanding uh, from a different Avenue rather than pushing somebody out. Okay, Tommy, your follow-ups? I think we bring up an interesting point with uh, being 2311. So I would not be the least bit surprised if if Joe Gibbs would agree to it. It would be cool to see Denny in the 11 car, Bubba in the 23 car, and Kurt in the 45 car. That would be the ideal perfect scenario for every NASCAR fan. We'll see if we get it, but... um, yeah, I don't. I'm about like you guys. I mean, I can see Denny retiring to focus on uh, 23XI, but at the same time, I mean, he's already got a win this year. He still doesn't have a championship. So I don't see him giving up yet. So um, we'll just have to see who he ends up driving for next year, I guess. Okay, Chris. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll take you way back to the Lance McGrew days at, uh, at Hendrick Motorsports. I remember a, a Dale Jr. asking a Washington Redskins football score, and uh, the papers went crazy. Dale Jr.'s not uh, – he's not dedicated. He's uh, hes distracted and all this other. And 
Come to find out, I mean, he kind of really was distracted, and he got his career back on track, and he'll admit that that was a, a difficult time. Um, I think criticism is okay right now for Denny Hamlin as he juggles the two because obviously he drives for one of the very few sponsors that takes up the whole season, guys. That's, that's different than what these other guys have for sponsorships throughout the year. Uh, the the Joe Gibbs model is you you know FedEx has the whole season and they can do what they want to with the car. Very few uh, sponsors are available like that, and that's uh, that's you know it's. It, does, it doesn't look good for Denny. It does not look good for Denny. That's, he's supposed to have those people in place so that he doesn't have to worry about that. Yes, and, you know, Denny Hamlin t- kind of did take some of the blame. He said, we've made some mistakes, uh, and, and it's not the driver's fault. It's our fault. Uh, we need to give them better support. So he's already acknowledged uh, that uh, there are some improvement opportunities uh, with 2311, even though they've got the two wins in two years. Uh, so uh, is he ready to retire? I don't think he's ready to retire. Uh, I think we're talking more long-term, and I hope he doesn't retire. I think Denny Hamlin wants to get a championship. Uh, I think that what might play into his uh, thinking about retirement is whether – he thinks he can get that championship with Joe Gibbs Racing or if he can get that championship with 2311. Um, and if it gets to the point that he thinks he has a better chance of getting a championship with 2311, he might make that switch. Uh, but right now, I think his best chance of getting that championship is with Joe Gibbs. Uh, and I don't think Jenny Hamlin wants to retire until he gets that. So uh, to answer that question, uh, I have to agree. I don't think he's ready to retire just yet. Um, the, I guess I'll, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Jay, you get to wrap this one up. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think, and I know there's a lot of possibilities, things that could change at Joe Gibbs Racing. We've heard Martin Truex say he may retire um, depending on this next-gen car. Denny Hamlin, that position he's in. Um, who did Oh, Truex retired. Denny Hamlin uh, has that option, and, and where he goes, Kyle Busch. We're looking at whether or not there's a sponsor, and that could come into play. No, Sharon, you, you said uh, maturity-wise, mm-hmm. maybe Ty Gibbs needs to be down still in the Xfinity series, and I can't argue that. But if Monster sticks with him, that's a sponsor that comes in. Um, and then Christopher Bell again, kind of on that hot seat. We saw him uh, get the victory uh, last year. But we've seen that with Joe Gibbs, especially if they got another one in the wings, um, pulling the plug. Um, so there's a lot of things with Joe Gibbs racing that could affect a lot of other, other teams and drivers. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I don't see Denny Hamlin going anywhere. Uh, and like I said, I think it's more of a distraction if you're driving for your own team as well as racing for them. Or, yeah, racing for the team you own versus having the two separate hats. Uh, because then you're wearing them all at the same time versus here he can drive and then focus on that when he needs to. Maybe again, like I said, maybe he didn't cross a little bit of a line this weekend. Uh, like I said, if you got a fourth place finish, I don't know how much uh, more distracted you could be uh, or less distracted to get the victory. So I just don't see it as that big a deal. If the team does and wants to address it, you know, maybe we don't hear that no more. But I think there's a lot of other things that uh, these drivers are worried about while they're in there than, uh, than that. 
Okay, we'll let that be the last word. And uh, we are at the top of the hour, actually a minute past the top of the hour. Uh, So we'll have to kind of uh, wrap it up here. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you on our roundtable. Just give us an idea of what you're, uh, if you're going to be at the racetrack this weekend and uh, uh, what your handles are for social media. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, You can find us at Wyandotte Motorsports Park uh, this Saturday night. Uh, we'll have our weekly racing series. Uh, we look forward to it. I uh, hope that uh, anybody that's around the Meridian, Mississippi area uh, will come and join us. Um, and uh, you can find us uh, every Tuesday night, right, on Race Chat Live. Uh, we have uh, a show, me, Taz Taylor, and Craig Moore. Uh, we we cover all kinds of things racing. Um, it's, uh, you know... I went back to Miss Sharon and, and, and pulled out a, an old message. And, you know, this is the show where Steve Billmeyer and I uh, first communicated. And then we went on to, to build our own show. I've, I've been on this show every year for eight years now. Uh, so that's, that's a little, wow. uh, that's, that's amazing how time flies. And of course, Steve and I created a show and Steve passed away, and I, I rebranded the show, which is now Race Chat Live. So we've consecutively gone uh, for the last eight years as well. Um, but uh, uh, you can find me at Flag of Caution and uh, Chris Creighton, or Yellow Caution Flag, on uh, Facebook. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a, almost a homecoming. Uh, being This is the show that kind of got me to the next level on the, uh, podcasting, and uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to come back on. That is so cool. Thank you. Okay, uh, Tommy. Uh, at since ninety five fan on Twitter, um, I have been tweeting here recently. I uh, got all my diecast, so um, posting the the day's date and diecast. Everybody, go check it out. Follow me, and um, yeah. Okay, Jay. All right, I got to take a deep breath here, uh, Tommy. I saw your tweet on that. That's really cool the way you do that with the diecast, uh, Chris. I'm going to show you how this is done. Let me help you out. Come check out the dirtiest voice in the South at Why Not Motorsports Park House of Hook there, Meridian. And I know uh, you helped uh, already produce the Southern Dirt Track Report as well as the, the Race Chat Live. So uh, that, that's the, I yeah, want to say a, that's a show that I've launched. And uh, we've got another show that we're launching too. It's going to be the Jay Dillon show. So, uh, yeah. I've, I've, I've oh my, my goodness! Of, uh, yeah, yeah. We're producing the Jay Dillon show. So, uh, we, you know, I, I hope he doesn't get me kicked off the air. But we, you know, we love giving people a chance to look. This is my second phase. You know, I've been in it ten years. And so, uh, yeah. It's uh, thank you, Michael, for uh, for bringing <laughs> for bringing that up. I I really enjoy Thursday nights with Southern Dirt Track Report. Oh, wow. The Jay Dillon show, we'll go into that some other time, but um, I just wanted to comment. You're doing what you mentioned, uh, getting your start here with Sharon, which is where I have. I I thank her or try to thank her each and every week for that opportunity and to see you doing that for another uh, other opportunities as for Artie and for for Jay Dillon. um, That's great to see. We, We talk about that and helping that next uh, generation or somebody else get started and, and get their feet under them. So kudos on I that. Think I, had, I, I think I helped you too a little bit there, didn't I, Jay? 
Uh, you certainly did. Uh, you certainly did. I know I haven't been down there much. I Shoot, I barely get to get over to the mag in Columbus here in town. Uh, I'll be in South Carolina at Cherokee this next weekend, so hope you have a good night there at the House of Hook. Uh, Sharon, with that, that tells you, I know you got some others that you've mentioned before, but appreciate the opportunity. Um, you can follow me, uh, Michael Hoosman, on Facebook, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram as the big mouth of the Mid-South, the dirtiest voice in the big mouth. Well, one of these days I'm going to have to get Jason Schultz back on the show. He started with us when he was just 15 years old, and uh, he is now a producer for the Dale Jr. Download, and I, he has his own radio show as well. And uh, I met him at uh, Chicagoland Speedway <laughs> recently, and he gave me a big hug because uh, he said he learned a lot of things here at Fampa Racing Radio and uh, that he carried with him uh, to the Dale Jr. download. He ended up, uh, he, he's from New York. He ended up going to University of North Carolina, graduating from there, and right into the job with uh Dale Jr., so uh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's how far you guys uh, can go. So uh, we'll see how this uh, continues to develop. But I appreciate you guys. And, Chris, I remember you coming on as the yellow caution flag uh, back in the day with Vampire Racing Radio. Uh, gosh, it doesn't seem like it's been eight years, but, uh, wow, that's really cool to uh, know that. And uh, I've enjoyed every time you come on with us. I was just thinking as we were talking here tonight, we need to get you on the show more often, uh, if at all possible. So I'm glad it worked out here tonight. And, uh, Jay, uh, I know we've had a little bit of a ride here as well. And, uh, Tommy, you're just starting, but uh, you never know what can happen. Because I think for me it started when uh, um, Nick Ficarelli, uh, asked me to be a part of his radio show, and uh, I ended up uh, moving on from that and eventually getting my own radio uh, network at Blog Talk Radio, and uh, it just kind of keeps growing. So we've got, what, 10 members now as part of our fan for racing crew? Uh, it's, it's just amazing. So, uh, uh, again, Chris, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, Jay, I know you filled in as a co-host here tonight. And Tommy, uh, I, I appreciate Jay filling in as a co-host. And Tommy, I appreciate you being available uh, tonight. I know uh, when Mike and Andy aren't here, uh, it's always great to know that uh, you're, you're uh, a possibility to step in their shoes. So thank you for all that you guys do. I appreciate each every one of you as well as our listeners for tuning in to hear what we have to say. I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforracing.com. Sorry for the uh, audio issues we had earlier in the show. I'm glad that worked out and people were able to tune in. Um, and we will be back on the air this Thursday for our preview show here at fanforracing.com as we preview the races uh, that are coming up at Texas Motor Speedway this coming weekend. So uh, with that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. See y'all later. Bye, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.